Hi, this is Naomi Russell, and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. podcast daring to go over the complete history of Australian Survivor all the way from Whaler's Way right through to the current day and I am so excited to be able to be back for another episode. We had our little bit of a hiatus. We were back last week recapping an episode and we're back into doing what I love doing the most and that is interviewing, finding out all the stuff that happened out there in Whaler's Way after all these years and learning everything and anything that we try to find out. I'm not even going to introduce this guest because I need to introduce myself first. My name is Ben Waterworth. Hi, guys. As you know, my name's Matt Dyson. And Ben, we, we may have been on a bit of a hiatus, but you haven't lost your uh, brilliance. What an introduction. But uh, And I've got an introduction for you today. We have a player today that made Australian Survivor history as being the first ever jury member ever to be involved in this game. You may know her as Naomi Knight. We now know her as Naomi Russell. It's going to be a fantastic interview. We've got so much to talk about. Naomi, thanks for being here with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. It's very exciting to have you on here because, you know, as I said in my my little bit there, it's it's the most exciting part of our job is getting to, to chat to you guys. It's all well and good for us to sit down and watch you on a screen and pass comment on a episode that uh, aired 18 years ago, but then we can get you on and we can get the truth behind everything. We can discuss all the little nitty gritty stuff and, and also bring back some memories that I'm sure you've locked away in the you know deep, dark part of your mind that you probably thought you'd never have to talk again at some point. Yeah, well, that's right. It's um, it's it's amazing. I I think I um, I thought that I had drawn a bit of a line in the sand, and you know that 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 was another lifetime ago. But really, when you guys reached out and and I started sort of thinking about it again, you you really don't have to scratch the surface too far to bring it all back up again. It's 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 exciting. I think that's what we're finding with with a lot of the the past contestants we've been interviewing is, you know, it has been. 18 or, or 19 years since you filmed that season and I guess people do move on with their lives and they put it behind but it's amazing that once we start talking about it and I think this says so much about the game of Survivor itself is once you start talking about it again I think all those the, the good and the bad memories but a lot of the good memories come to the surface again and I think what we're finding is is contestants from your season are realizing, you know, like, that was a pretty big part of my life. It's like not many people ever get to play this game. You guys were the the very first members of Australia to ever get to play it. So, w- what was it about the show that initially drew you to applying for the show? Um, well, 
I loved the American series. You know, I'd watched um, Borneo and the Australian Outback. That was the most recent one um, prior to the application sort of process for for our season. Um, So uh, just something about it really appealed to me. I'm a bit of a, you know, I I guess a goal-driven person and a bit of a a challenge seeker and, you know, just something about it, it, it was so unique the, the game and you know I, I just I wanted in I had to be a part of it with your audition tape uh, now we're going to talk a lot this episode about the mighty Carlton Blues don't get me wrong but uh, <laughs> your audition tape uh, you're wearing the Carlton Guernsey and we, we see a little bit of a snippet on it on the audition tape special can you tell us a little bit more about that you speak a little bit about I think that the diet the survivor diet uh, what was your idea behind your audition tape what did you do do you think there was something in it that helped you get cast Oh, look, it, it's a classic when I think back to it now. Um, you know, when when they were, I guess, casting for, for our season, I only saw, I only ever saw one advertisement on the TV for it. You know, if you'd like to be a part of an Australian series, send your video in. And, and you know, I didn't even look online to see that it was supposed to be five minutes long. Um, you know, I just sort of thought, right, that's it. Called upon the only um, friend of mine that had a video camera that I knew of, and swore him to secrecy. His name's Blair, friend of mine, and um, I said, "Look, here's what I want to do. Um, can you film it? But you've got to promise me that you don't tell anybody about it." Um, you know, and I'm not really sure why I said that. Perhaps because you know, if, if I didn't happen to to get through, I I didn't want to suffer the the you know everlasting ribbing from my friends about it but anyway so I just had this idea at that time you know AFLW didn't exist like I was playing footy um AFL with for my university at the time um and I loved it absolutely loved playing footy loved the physicality of it loved the competitiveness loved the um you know sportsmanship and and all the rest and I thought well you know, back then, that was pretty unique for a girl to be playing AFL. Um, you know, this is totally pre-Moana Hope and, and Abby Holmes sort of era. Um, yeah, so I thought, well, you know, I'm a massive Carlton fan. We'll throw on the all the gear and I'll kick my footy around, show them that girls can kick, um, talk a little bit about that and perhaps, um, you know, spruik that if they pick me, that I'll take my footy as my luxury item. Great. Well, I mean, let's be honest. What got you on was wearing that Guernsey because straight away they, they looked at that and go, well, this woman's smart. She goes for a very great <laughs> team, so clearly we have to cast her. And, I mean, you got Rob on there. He played for bloody Hawthorne. Who cares about Hawthorne? That's, you need, need the balance, the good and the evil, right? Absolutely. That's right. And navy blue is a much more flattering colour than uh, the brown and gold. Yeah, poo and wee. No one needs that colour. <laughs> it, it's amazing hearing that story because... I never really thought of it. Now now there's so much opportunity for women in AFL mm. and, and we see that with Moana and Abby and, you know, they've gone on to their seasons and played as a champion as being an, a, an AFL player. Like it, it's when you think about it, if, if times were different, that could have been that could have been you playing in a in a champion first contender season as a, a professional AFL footballer. Well, you're very kind. That would, would have been absolutely amazing. Um you know, it's it's huge now. It's the the opportunities for for girls and young women now in AFL. It's it's the time to be a, a footballer if you're a girl. And I think, in all honesty, um, 
it's the only time I wish I was 15 years younger because I'd <laughs> love to be still playing. I'd love to play again and and perhaps, you know, I'm not sure if I had the talent, but, um, you know, I would love to have had the opportunity to, to play. You, you mentioned that uh, you got a friend to um, record your, your interview and, and um, your audition tape. You said Blair. That didn't happen to be Blair from Big Brother, did it? <laughs> uh, no. No? And okay. Just... With all, um, you know, the greatest love and admiration for my friend, he's totally unlike Blair from Big Brother <laughs> in every way, I think. Well, the, the reason why, I mean, not many people back there, it's easy now, we can all pick up our mobile phone and, and record a, an audition tape. Um, yeah. But back then, uh, you had to go to a lot of trouble. Not many people owned a, a big video camera <laughs> and like I had to do I had to, to, to borrow one off a neighbor to, to do my audition tape and we hear all the stories of people having to borrow this so there was a lot of effort that actually had to go into it it's not as simple as now as getting on the internet filling out a an application and um and doing a quick video on your phone that you can submit right there and then uh, so you know people who wanted to actually be a part of it you really had to go that little extra effort to, to be involved absolutely it was it was not easy and you know, when I think about the, oh, my God, the rough job of editing and all the rest, like, you know, Deb would have been absolutely mortified seeing <laughs> seeing my little chopped up edited audition tape that really actually only went for, like, it was less than two minutes. I, as I said, I, I didn't look online to see that, you know, they said, I don't know whether it said no more than five minutes or, you know, a five-minute video, but, yeah, mine literally was less than two minutes. Do you still have it? Do you still did you keep it after all these years? Um, it would exist somewhere um, on a on a VHS, but um, look, I have not searched for it. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> certainly haven't been watching it in preparation for the interview. I'm probably, you know, I'm sure if I look back now, I'd be uh, I'd cringe a little bit. You know. At what stage during the process did you think to yourself, actually, like I'm a, I'm a good shot of actually being one of the 16 to get on this show? Yeah, you know, that's actually a really interesting question because um, I'm not, I don't know how to, how to kind of describe this, but I actually deeply believed right from the get-go that I would get through. And that's that's not probably typical of my personality. Like I... Um, you know, I enjoy the hard work in reaching a goal or an effort, um, you know, or, you know, something that I'm, I really want to do or achieve. And, and I think with this, it had, I had very little control over that. Like I couldn't do any more work. I could only pop the tape in the mail and, you know, kind of hope for the best. But I actually deep, deep down, I actually kind of was confident. I actually thought I want this so badly that, I think they're going to be able to see that. And I think, um, you know, I've got something to bring to the season. So I sort of felt it from the get-go. Um, but then I guess when I received the letter to say, you know, you've you've kind of progressed to the next stage, um, 8,500 videos were previewed and now 300 other people are receiving this same letter as you. So I thought, well, that's, you know, that's a good effort, but we're not there yet. So what was that process like from there on in? It was Did that confidence stick with you? Did you kind of go into every single stage then going, I've got this, I'm going to be on this show, so just keep going with how you've been going that whole time? Yeah, I think I just, 
uh, was quietly confident and optimistic. And again, I don't always feel like that about everything, but I'm I'm not sure what made the difference with with Survivor. But I just, yeah, I I, I felt good about it right from the start, and and. I took quite a bit of time in filling out the, um, it was a really extensive questionnaire at that, that next stage and I really thought about my responses and, you know, I wanted to be real and I wanted to be me and authentic and, and all the rest of it. But I did, you know, I really, I lived and breathed it at the time, the, even through the application process. I didn't think about much else, to be honest. So what was it that actually drew you to being, wanting to be a survivor? Because there's so many people out there that say, oh, there's no way I would want to live in, you know, live in the, lying in the dirt and eating rice every day and, and that's it. Like yeah. it takes a special person to actually want to do it and actually do it because it is hard, especially back when you, in 2001, yeah. when you filmed it, it's a lot harder, I think, back then than it is now. You know, the living conditions are, were a lot harsher. How cold it was at Whalers Way, I don't think anyone could have imagined how cold it was going to be for you guys. But what was it that drew you to, was it the, the fact that it was a $500,000 prize or was it just the fact that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? Uh, look, maybe a little bit of both of those things, but also neither as, as the main reason, I don't think. Um, obviously, you know, $500,000 then and now is, is a huge amount of money. Like, that would have absolutely changed my life. Um, but I'm driven by a challenge I think and you know I just I that's what excites me I like doing things that aren't easy and I like to push myself so I think that was was really what appealed to me about it um I wasn't like super excited about the fact that it was on tv I know that sounds really weird but you know I would have still probably pursued that opportunity even if it wasn't televised yeah what was that moment like then when you get that, that phone call to say you're in, you're one of the first ever 16 people to play Survivor in Australia? You know how you can kind of pivotal moments in your life or when big things happen, you kind of can remember exactly where you were? Well, I can remember I was um, so living in Melbourne at the time and I'm originally from the country and I was, you know, travelling back to, to visit my family and... I think I'd just thrown the bags in, you know, my first ever car, my little banana yellow Toyota Corolla hatchback. <laughs> and um, I'm not quite sure if I'd started to, to reverse out the driveway, but my enormous oversized mobile phone back in those days rang. And <laughs> so I, I thought, oh, okay, right, this is a Sydney number. And I answered and um, and it was a, a lovely member of the production team, Prue, and she said, uh hi, you know, how are you going? Good, good, all the rest. And um, she said, are you sitting down? And I said, I am actually, I'm, I'm in my car. And she uh, broke the news to me that way. And I was beside myself, I think, just so excited, so relieved, so happy that, you know, I'd chased this down really. And I, I kind of had it in my hands, the opportunity to get out there and, and have a crack. Did you then go into preparation mode? I think uh, in the, the official guide, uh, you mentioned about re-watching VHS tapes of, of Australian Outback at that time, but were there anything else that you kind of did in in that time from when you got that call to when you got on the plane to eventually head out to Whaler's Way? Um, yeah, look, it actually wasn't a, an extremely long time between finding out and going from memory. I think maybe 
perhaps eight weeks, something like that. Um, maybe not even, but yeah, like I, I was running every day and I probably ramped that up a little bit. Not, you know, not hugely, but just, just wanted to make sure I was fit and strong. Um, I got, (laughs) this is funny, actually, I got, um, my dad to teach me how to tie a heap of different knots. And that actually was very handy in a couple (laughs) of the challenges and, you know, building our shelter and what have you. So, so that was beneficial. And, um, another thing that I did, and I think, you know, I think back now and, and, you know, it's quite funny, but I went to, um, to a butcher or a fish shop and I, I just said to the, the man behind me, I said, look, um, you know, I'm interested in a fish. What, you know, what do you recommend? And he goes, I oh, am, yeah, you know, this. And I said, oh, can you show me how to gut it? <laughs> he's like, really? And I said, yeah, 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 show me. And he goes, oh, okay. And I'm thinking he's looking at me like, who is this crazy <laughs> young lady? Like she wants to know how to gut a fish. But anyway, that, um, yeah, so I, I learned how to do that as well before I headed out there. But really just, um, yeah, just just thinking and planning and yeah, get getting ready. It's a hard stage in the game as well because the game hasn't actually started, but you know you're going to be on it, and you're so limited to who you can tell. I'm assuming that your immediate family knew, but you you can't you know you can't tell your friends. It was a bit different when I went on because I had to do a backstory on me, so people did know I was going on. But for you, it was complete silence, wasn't it? It was so different, and. You know, that was something I was a real stickler for the rules back then. Like I thought, I'm not going to do anything here that could potentially jeopardise my chances. Um, and, you know, obviously we know that Survivor, the essence of it is that the, in the not knowing, um, you know, that's what makes it successful. But, you know, right from the get-go, I didn't tell anyone. Just that one friend who took the video um, didn't tell any of my other girlfriends or anything like that, didn't tell my family um, at all, and I only told my mum and dad, um, I think, once I knew I was in, and I said, but you cannot tell anyone. So literally I went to Whaler's Way, and by this point too, I must add, the guy, Blair, who took my video, he'd completely forgotten about it. He didn't know that I would, I'd got in, that I was out there. He didn't know until I was back. And we were finally allowed to tell at some point, I think it was in January. And um, he's like, you are kidding me. Like, you know, it was, it was really, really strange. He probably opened a packet of Lay's chips and there's your photo, your, your picture in it. <laughs> That's how he found it. that, yeah. What, um, what, uh, so what story did you tell your friends? Like, obviously, you, you, you were gone for a couple of months. Where did they think you were? Um, oh, look, in some ways it was a little bit easier back then because of the no social media thing. But I said to my friends, look, I, I was, it was a really interesting time in my life, actually. I'd literally just finished university and it was before starting full-time work that, you know, that the Survivor, you know, happened to be filmed. And so it was kind of a holiday break, I guess. And I just said to my, my friends, you know, look, um, just going to go on a bit of a road trip. I had a, a friend at university who lived up um, in Coffs Harbour and I said, oh, look, I'm just going to hit the road. I might go up and visit her and whatever. Um, but, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll catch up with you after Christmas or something like that. And so they, they kind of believed it. Um, and, you know, it was interesting. I said to mum before I left, I said, you know, they're, they're going to find it weird that I haven't got my phone, you know. Like even back then, as I said, the, the old brick Nokia phones, you know, we still had them. Um, but, you know, yeah, 
they they weren't going to be able to reach me, obviously. And so I said, you're going to have to say, if they call you and say, look, what's going on? Where's Naomi? How's she going? You're just going to have to say, look, would you believe she forgot her phone? You know? Um, yeah. And so that it, it flew. I can't believe it. I'm an absolutely terrible liar, but it, it worked. I've got to quickly well, ask about just on that topic because this is a question later on, but I feel this needs to be asked right now because you were part of the reward challenge where you got to call home and <laughs> your boyfriend, I don't know if he's now your husband or it was your boyfriend at the time, what, what, what did, where did he think you went then if he's all of a sudden on the phone to you going like, oh, it's good to hear your voice. Where the bloody hell have you been? <laughs> Uh, sorry, I did forget to mention that actually. He also knew um, Chris, my boyfriend at the time. Um, he, yeah, he he did know. I did obviously have to tell him as well. Um, he's not my husband. He's he's a great guy. This, um, but you know, yeah, that was that was then. This is now. And you said you don't. You, you're not normally a good liar, but I don't know. You did win the reward challenge where you had to deceive, and you deceived seven people to uh, get to go on the reward challenge with Craig. But we'll, we will talk about that later. But I thought, you know, you did you did win that challenge where you deceive people. So maybe I maybe I'm better than I thought. But <laughs> I in, in, so. in fact, I know we're going to talk about it later. That was actually a true story. It was in the deception. It wasn't a lie. You had to tell a story, and I'm sure we'll get to it later. But uh, it was actually my good story. Point. Yes, it was a truth. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. When it came to the location, we, we love every single one of you guys so far we've had on the show. Is basically given the same answer. I'm sure you're going to give us the same answer, though, too. You're probably dreaming of Vanuatu, Samoa, somewhere beautiful, <laughs> tropical, and they shove you on a plane and you're basically in the Great Australian Bight with a lot of sand, dirt, and dust and all that sort of stuff. I, I mean, how how did you feel when you got off that plane and were staring at Lincoln in bloody South Australia? Oh, my God. It was um, unexpected, let's say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mentioned before about, you know, not wanting to, I, I, you know, crossed every T and dotted every I in, in preparation, making sure that I didn't do anything that was going to jeopardise my chances. And um, one of those things was I actually got myself a passport during the um, auditioning process because I thought, look, I'm not going to let the fact that I've never travelled, don't have a passport, be, you know, a deal breaker if they want me, but I don't have one. So I'd organised my passport. I was really excited. I thought, you know, this could be good, um, could go somewhere overseas for the first time. It would be amazing. And, you know, two days before we left, they ring and say, um, yeah, you're on a flight to Adelaide. And I was like, right. <laughs> Okay, so okay, that's okay. So flew to Adelaide. Um, another little side story here. If I get off track, please, you know, that these are the best stories, Naomi. The side stories are the best. Oh, really? Ones. Go for it. Well, bring me back if I forget the original. We question, will try but, our very um, best. <laughs> I we landed, or I landed in in Adelaide. Obviously, um, not knowing um, if there was any other potential survivors on my flight or anything like that. Um, you know, disembarked, that's all good, went down to collect my bags from the carousel and I'm waiting and I'm waiting I'm waiting. Every other passenger from that plane has left. There were no more bags on that carousel and mine were missing. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what the bloody hell am I going to do now? Um, right. So, you know, we, at this point we've been given a fake name, um, you know, and I'm thinking, right, what, I've got to get my story straight here. My bags are missing. I'm going to have to go and, like, you know, talk to somebody about that. Am I Naomi Knight? Am I 
Elaine Cook. That was my um, my <laughs> alias. I know, right? Elaine, 22-year-old Elaine. But, um, <laughs> so I've gone up to the guy and I'm like, um, you know, my, my bags are missing. He's like, okay, yeah, no worries. That's fine. We'll, um, we'll try and track it down. Where are you heading? And I said, look, I'm just heading um, to Glenelg. That's where we were staying the night before we were flown to um, out to Whaler's Way. And I'm, you know, I rang the producers and what have you and said, look, my bags are missing, but I'm, I just had it all messed up in my head. I'm like, am I Naomi? Am I Elaine? I, I don't want these bags to be sent to the hotel under my real name because we've been booked in under our alias. And it was all very confusing. But in the end, the bag did show up at, you know, I'm not sure where it went first, but, but some other state that wasn't um, South Australia. So it was a little bit of an unsettling um, start to my arrival, I think, in, in Adelaide. But yeah, then the next day we were obviously um, popped on a bus and we were, you know, taken out back to the Adelaide airport and and popped on a, a much smaller plane and blindfolded and and flown to, to Whaler's Way and, yeah, got off there and just thought this is really, really treacherous. Did you have any sort of brief, interactions eye contact anything like that or observing any of the other players I mean you mentioned you were blindfolded but in between yeah. those moments were you sizing anyone up I think from memory I think I was they I was the second person to get on the bus you know they brought us down separately it was a long process um you know and they'd, they'd kind of said you know absolutely no talking no nothing so I think I was second on the bus I can't remember who was before me but I kind of got to watch everybody else come on and, you know, lots of smiling and, you know, trying to connect with people without, you know, without speaking to them. And, yeah, I, I liked what I saw. I thought this is a really um, interesting mix. Um, and I think probably aside from Rob, I, I saw Rob and I thought I want to be on his tribe. Um other than that, I, I landed with a lot of the people that I I like the look of, I guess. You mentioned Rob, and I mean, as a, as a f- AFL fan, and I know Rob obviously wasn't, you know, a, a high profile player. He sort of, you know, only had a couple of seasons here or there. I mean, did you recognise mm. him? Were you that much of a fan that you could recognise someone like Rob? I don't think I recognised him as a footballer, but there was some sort of familiarity about him, and, and I'm not sure if that was kind of just his vibe that he gave off but but he just seemed familiar to me but but I don't actually think that I did recognize him from his footy um I was obviously intrigued once I once I sort of found that out but yeah I just um yeah he was he just interested me yeah one one question which I don't think we've actually asked anyone when you get off that bus and you see Lincoln were, were you expecting like uh, a Jamie Jury or, you know, uh, a Ben Dark or someone, you know, <laughs> big name? Or was it kind of a surprise to see someone like, hey, Lincoln, I don't know who this guy is, but cool, he seems like a nice guy? I think we'd found out a little bit earlier. Um, so it wasn't a surprise to step off the bus and see Lincoln, but um, I think there'd been perhaps a story in, in one of the magazines maybe a couple of weeks prior. So I was across who the host was going to be. Um, I think in the lead-up to all of that, and I'm sure Lincoln spoke about this when when you chatted with him, you know, there was lots of names being thrown around and, and Jamie Jury was certainly one of those. Um, I think Scotty Cam might have even been another one at, at a, some point. Um, but at that point of 
actually, you know, disembarking the bus and, and getting ready to, to play, we, we knew that it was going to be Lincoln um, standing there. One of the biggest things, as soon as you know you're, you're going to be on a show, probably the, the, the thought that goes through your mind the most is, who are the people that are going to be on my tribe? Because, you, you know, you, you know that you need to try to connect with those people, but you don't know who they're going to be. You don't know what ages they're going to be, what background. So what was your initial thoughts of your other seven original Kadena members? When On that day one, when you look around and, and, and you see that Lucinda and David and the rest of them, what was your thoughts? Did you think straight away, I'm going to fit in with this tribe? Uh, I think so. I think I... Yeah, I think I felt comfortable. Um, it's just, it's such an interesting time, probably even just that first hour when you kind of see who's on which tribe and, you know, these are the people I'm going to be spending, hopefully, the next, you know, number of weeks with. Um, it's just a lot of sizing up, I think, and you and no one wants to be too out there, um, you know. So I, I think I did a lot of listening at the start, just sort of, you know, yeah, just trying to kind of figure out who these people were and what their personalities were like and things like that. But I felt good. I felt like, yeah, we've, this looks like a, a pretty fit, healthy, um, competitive group of people. A little that, bit fir- <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that first day, you always – people just gravitate to, I guess, the same sort of personalities and you, you just – especially in that night one where you're sitting around and talking – who was it for you? Was there someone, was it like a Craig or a Sylvan or a Deb, like someone that you just straight away knew, well, I'm definitely going to get along with this person? Um, yeah, I certainly um, Craig. He was someone that I, I very quickly sort of gravitated towards, I think. Um, we were both from Victoria, um, you know, lived not close, but, but you know, I guess, yeah, not not terribly far away from one another and, um, you know, just get chatting. And as, as soon as you find, you know, points of, you know, common interest or anything like that, it just sort of strikes up a bit of a rapport, I think. Um, so Craig certainly and, you know, I, I guess I gravitated a little bit towards Deb and Karen and, and Sylvan as well. So that was the famous five. The birth of the famous five was essentially right there in night one. Yeah, there you have it. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know if you uh, remember Deb singing the famous five song at all, uh, Naomi. If you want to uh, give us a bit of a, a rendition, we tried to get Deb to do it, but she kind of chickened out. <laughs> oh so. no, no, no! I'll leave that all to Deb. I'll leave that all to Deb. I do recall she, she did. She coined the the famous five uh, phrase. So yeah, that's that's all Deb. Hats off to her. <laughs> And we gave Deb the credit when we interviewed her. She was before her time. These days, every alliance gets named. Someone, they give them a name. Um, but your season, there it was, the famous five. But what what do you think it was about Lucinda, Lucinda, Tim and David that they, they just looked on the outs? I don't know whether that was the editing or the fact that they were older in the group. Obviously, the famous five, you were all in your 20s. David wasn't that much older. I think he was about 34 at the time. But it, it was, to me anyway, it just was obvious that there was just something missing uh, for those mm. three that, that just didn't have it, it that connection with the other five. Yeah, look, it's interesting that you that you say that and that that was the, the perception. Um, I don't think that... T- you know, I certainly didn't feel like it was us versus them or anything like that. Um, 
I certainly didn't consciously, you know, realise or recognise that I maybe wasn't as feeling as close to them as, as the others because they were, you know, older. Um, you know, they, they were, they, you know, good people. But I, I think, as I said about um, before, with the, the sizing up that happens very, very early on, um, you know, I, I guess with Lucinda, she was quite a different personality to me. She was fairly um, outspoken, I guess. Still, you know, a lovely, lovely lady and um, just just different, I suppose, to me. And, and perhaps, you know, that point about finding that common ground with people maybe wasn't so much there for me with Lucinda. Um, Tim, incredible man, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm just so sad to hear that he's passed away and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed hearing his wife Jenny speak, um, I guess, on his behalf with you guys a little while back. Um, but Tim, yeah, Tim, I felt like Tim was one of us for sure. Like he was he was great value. He was, you know, just a character and, and easygoing and, you know, lovable. Like he was, he was fantastic. So, you know, I guess maybe the fact that, um, you know, I think he, he might have been in his 50s at that point and we were in our 20s, it's, you know, Probably we didn't personally have that common ground, but there was definitely, you know, respect and, um, you know, there it existed. But, yeah, David, <laughs> it's interesting. And I know you love him, so I have to be... Um, I've got to love him a little bit too now. much. Just be careful. No, here. no, no, I, I would love... Naomi, I'd love... Rush, would we call it? <laughs> Hey, he's a great player. No, but honestly, Naomi, I'd love I'd love to get your opinion on David because he is an interesting one. The fact that he was only a few years older than than the famous five, but he, he and he's admitted it too on his interview. It just it was just enough that he just didn't have things as much in common. Where probably all you, the five twenty year olds are talking about certain things that he couldn't relate to. But what was it about David? Was, did you ever think maybe you're going to work with him in the game, or is it just that, that was never spoken about? Um, look, to be honest, no. But the reason why is not because I didn't get on with Dave or relate to him or anything like that. But he, um, you know, he he went downhill. He fell fell ill really really quickly. And, you know, that was, I guess, you know, in those early hours and, and days when you're forming relationships and, you know, sizing one another up and thinking about who's going to be valuable and who you could work with and, and so forth, it didn't occur to me that Dave would be someone that I would work with because, um, you know, he, he was struggling. He would, yeah, he, his health was, was really, really bad at the time. And, um, you know, I guess... That was just a critical period of time where we maybe just didn't, um, you know, didn't connect. You mentioned Dave was struggling, but also Kadena was struggling. They really struggled to win any immunity challenges, as we know. Only the one where where Jeff went from Tapara. What what was it? Was it was it Tapara were just more physical? They were better. They wanted it more, or was it just unlucky? What what, what was it? Do you think that you just kept on going to tribal council? Yeah, oh, gosh, it's you know the the amount of time I've spent thinking about about that is you know it's incredible. But um, we were competitive. Um, that that 
let me start with the first challenge. So that that night, you know, at various points we might have been, you know, slightly behind, slightly ahead or whatever. But at that critical moment, right at the very end, um, we had to throw some spears to light a big stack. We were winning. We were clearly ahead. Um, we would have won that first challenge had it not been obviously for the for the wind. Um, and, you know, I believe that there's a big element of luck in Survivor. And perhaps had we won that challenge that night, that would have sent us on a completely different trajectory. And, you know, we wouldn't have gone down in history as, you know, the the worst performing tribe ever. Like it just set, you know, maybe set a ball rolling. It's it's kind of like the sliding doors, I think. It, it Just at any point, something could go slightly the other way. And, you know, we could be having a really different conversation now. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it's... It's disappointing. I have to say I'm surprised in your explanation there that you didn't bring up the bloody ship because, Naomi, I love recapping (laughs) these episodes and hearing you in every single episode going on about the bloody ship because bloody hell, Naomi, it was obviously a bloody terrible time going to the bloody, bloody (laughs) ship. Yes. Who wants to go back to the bloody ship? Not me. I don't want to go back. And you're, you're always, everyone always looks so cold on that bloody ship as well. <laughs> well, yeah, if we looked cold, we, I can tell you we were absolutely feeling it. It was, it was very, very cold. Was bloody a word in your vocabulary a lot? Is it still a word that you use a lot? Because I swear I haven't heard bloody being used that much since Lara Bingle in that Australian ad about a decade ago. <laughs> um Look, I, you know, I try not to say it too much. Um, you know, being the, a mother of young kids and all and, and a teacher and, it, and you know. Let such. it all out now. You're on a podcast. You can um, just, you can swear. You can say bloody. Like, I just, I want you to let it out. It's been a while. Let out the bloody ship hate. I'm yeah, sure. It's okay. I think I've, I've, I've made my peace with the, with the, the bloody ship, with the great beyond. But, um. <laughs> Look, I we let's be honest, we were there way too much, way too often. Uh, one thing I know you didn't like the bloody ship, or you didn't like going there, but it <laughs> it did actually make make for a, a great um, tribal council location. I actually, you know, I think it actually visually looked quite good. Yeah, look, if, <laughs> of all of the uh, the various sites that were shot um, around Whalers Way, it was yeah for sure. It was absolutely one of the best ones. There were a couple of nice. Um, beaches that we use for challenges but you know our camp was very very ordinary so you know it was I guess I'm glad it looked good <laughs> I'm glad it looked good to the viewers um yeah it, it, was, it wasn't it was good to sit on the bloody setup. ship though it was a bloody stupid <laughs> ship it was stupid yes thank you it was <laughs> I'm glad you brought up about the the camp though how I mean it looked terrible uh, the conditions that that you guys were forced to live in was just, it didn't look great. Everyone was always dirty. Tapara actually looked worse off. They looked, they were just filthy the entire time. But how, in the end, like how did you, how much struggle was it with the, the lack of food, the living conditions, the, 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 how freezing it was? Did you do better than you thought you were going to do or did, or did, was it a struggle every day? It certainly wasn't sexy survivor, was it? It was, um, you know, <laughs> I imagined it would be a little different, but here we are shivering in our R.M. Williams jackets and, um, you know, thermal underwear and all the rest. So it was, look, yeah, it, it was tough, definitely. Um, I, you know, I, rem- I remember it being cold and I remember it being, you know, yeah, like a, a pretty ordinary sort of an environment to be in, but... 
you know, I, I think I coped okay. Like, I don't look back and think that was the hardest thing I've ever done. It, um, you know, it was hunger was a, a small issue and, and probably a smaller issue than I would have thought. I'm the first to admit I'm an enormous eater. I'm, I'm good on the food. Um, and I remember arriving on, you know, that first day and, and feeling hungry and thought, yeah, this isn't a great sign. But, you know, after a couple of days, that that feeling dissipates. It's not like a hunger in that familiar sense of the word. It, it's more fatigue, I think, just completely lacking energy, um, which was unusual for me. I'm, I'm a pretty active person and that feeling was was um, interesting. Yeah. It definitely appeared that you were, you had limited opportunities, or well, everyone did, to get into their uh, bikinis or their their, their <laughs> board shorts and get out there because, like I said, it was so cold, you, and you weren't you didn't have that that beach location. You know, you had to share going down to the water. You had to climb down rocks to get down there. Where we see now, you know, it's all on the beach. The camps twenty meters away. People basically just live in their swimmers now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, where where it always you know. Every time we see the group together, you're always in the big RM Williams jackets. Just you know, it's it's a it definitely was a different look than it is now. Oh, absolutely. I look at um, you know the more recent seasons and think that just looks really nice. It looks warm. Um, you know, I'm sure they're they're cold at, at night and and all the rest as well. But it's um, you know, it's certainly you could tell clearly that um, Stephen Peters, the executive producer, his intent was to make it difficult. You know. And I'm not sure whether that ended up being a good choice or not, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of skin shown. Um, you know, it, it it was dirty. It was, yeah, it was pretty bleak. Yeah. Hey, on Kadena, now the A word seemed to be a dirty word, alliance, but as we've obviously already talked, you kind of, you form into this famous five kind of without saying, hey, we're in alliance, it kind of happens. Was that something that you went into it, having been a fan of Australian Outback and Borneo, that you went into that thinking that you don't want to do alliances? Did you think that, oh, I'm open to it? I mean, did you have a mindset of that? And was it kind of surprising that there seemingly wasn't this talk of alliances on Kadena yet over onto Para? That was clearly something they were happy to do? Um. <clears throat> I, yeah, I think I didn't have a set plan. I think if you had a set plan and you weren't willing to deviate from that, that would not be a successful strategy. Um, so I was open-minded, but I think when things started going the way that they did, it's really just about saving my own tail, really. Like if um, when we lost the first challenge, you know, that was interesting how um, the vote obviously went down that night with Lucinda going. But when the heat's off you, you're like, okay, that's good. That just means that, you know, if we're looking at someone else to vote out, fantastic. That's okay. There's another challenge, you know, coming. If not tomorrow, the next day, we'll um, we'll go again and, and we'll see where we're at. So I don't know that alliance was a dirty word. I just feel like we felt that it could be, you know, it was certainly an option to, to try and play it a little bit differently. And I think for me at that time, as I mentioned earlier, the most recent season that I'd watched was the Australian Outback. And, and I looked at women like Elizabeth Hasselbeck and Amber Mariano, obviously, um, you know, they weren't married then, but they are now. 
um, you know, a similar age to me and they were successful. They were going okay and they didn't have to be the biggest and loudest and craziest and most vicious, um, you know, and Tina Wesson even too, obviously not so close to my age when I played but maybe a little bit more so now. I mean, she was a, you know, she went about it differently. You know, she she wasn't, you know, in your face the whole time and and sort of making deals and, and so forth. It was a bit of a different game then but I I had just witnessed women that I felt I related to in, you know, age, personality, things like that, who did well. So I guess, you know, I felt like that was that was a possibility to go further in the game, you know, that way. It's a great comparison because absolutely both Amber and Elizabeth on Australian Outback and then even Colleen on, on Borneo, you know, both went very deep and they kind of they played mm. that game. Did that then when with that plan in your mind when you're bonding with someone like Craig I mean that kind of almost gives you sort of an extra layer to that doesn't it because I mean you could almost say it's a bit of a meat shield you've got someone there to kind of protect you because you know they're going to be looked at because they're a physical threat but you're also forming a bond of someone who again you're you're close with you're kind of in an alliance without it being an alliance and you've kind of got someone who ultimately at least it seemed, and yeah. we'll talk about this, was the closest person that you were into the in the entire game. Yeah, and and you know, I mentioned that we you know we gravitated towards one another, and within that, the famous five fairly quickly. Um, and you know, we it it was spoken. You know, Craig said, "I won't be voting for you," and I said, "And I won't be voting for you either." And you know, it was probably one conversation, but. It was had, and you know, and that was that was the way that you know it, it it went for us. It must be crazy for you now to to look at how the modern day game is played, and and we'll take the Golden God for example. And for our listeners, Naomi is actually sitting here right now in a Golden God t shirt, which I think is fantastic. Um, <laughs> But, it, you know, to, to watch someone like him play where basically from day one he's got an alliance but he's 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 actually turning on his own alliance and doing, un, you know, underground deals with, with the other, the alliance. And I mean, to think about that now, I mean, obviously if anyone was doing that back in your season, they would have been out of there straight away. Absolutely. It's, you know, the, the game's evolved so much it's it's almost in many ways unrecognizable i think now compared to when we played um you know we're talking a time when there were no tribe swaps there were no hidden immunity idols it was very much if you don't win you you know you're you're in trouble and and that's kind of the way that you know well it obviously went for us but there was very little ability i think to even um you know make make a change with or you know do something different it, it was tricky it's fascinating i think the 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 big vote for kadena prior to the merge was was the deb vote because ultimately you had a, a tribe of five you had yourself and craig who clearly weren't swaying you had deb and sylvan who were pretty tight and then you had karen in the middle who ultimately would vote for Deb and that's where Deb goes home was there more conversation than we saw with that was Karen someone who kind of gravitated towards yourself more or Craig more was there more to that because Deb obviously spoke a lot about how in hindsight she wished she had swayed Karen a little bit more because she could have easily taken you or Craig out because they would have had three then but ultimately that's something that at the time she yeah. obviously didn't quite get done successfully 
Yeah, look, it's it's so interesting, and it's it's been really interesting for me listening to the um, perspective of others because you know no one's right and no one's wrong. It's just everyone's experience and their memory of you know something that happened quite a long time ago. But I I actually recall a few details a little bit differently, perhaps um, than than the others. Um, you know, I from memory feel like Deb was kind of ready to go she was okay with it and I think you know before the tribal council she knew and you know and may have even sort of put it into words look you know my ankle I've heard it um you know I'm not feeling great it's 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 okay you know so and that happened with a number of players there was there was quite a few people who you know for want of a better term perhaps you know put their hand up in one way shape or form was that Sylvan as well? And was that the reason why that, say, he went instead of Karen before the merge? Yes, that is right. Yep, that How is my memory Sylvan? of it. How I just, I need to, we've talked about David, like, because, you know, we know Matt's got a bit of a man love with David, but we, we've had a lot <laughs> of fun with Sylvan uh, on on these recaps, and he was great to chat to a few weeks ago. But what was it like living with him? Because, you know, he's Sylvan. He's got his fantasy world. He, he's, 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 a, he's an enigma, he's Sylvan. <laughs> he's he's great he's he's unique he's he's really um you know uh, he he was good fun to have out there sylvan scruffy he was just very different <laughs> to me again similar age you know we talk about the 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 20 somethings and and how hopeless we we were but um you know he he'd grown up in sydney i was a you know country kid from victoria it was you know he was quite different to me and I found him really fascinating. Um, but certainly when it came to um, his his vote, yeah, he, from memory again, and, and, you know, this is my interpretation and I hope I'm not doing anybody a disservice here, but I, but my recollection is absolutely that Sylvan was, was okay with going. Yeah. Did, did you read his book and did you also know that he was in KFC ads? Um, I have a copy of his book. Um, I, um, don't maybe ask me to give you a plot story. (laughs) I can't quite recall. Um, Did did, did you make it, did you make it, David only, David admitted that he only made it about one chapter in and couldn't read it anymore. So I feel like maybe Dave and I might have something in common there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't quite make it to the end, and I'm sorry about that, oh, Sylvan. But you know, oh. it, it was a lovely gesture and and a lovely piece of memorabilia for sure. I need to track a copy. Yeah, Still track. need to find a copy of it because um, you know, I feel this is an episode that we need to do a live reading of Sylvan's book and see how far we can get. <laughs> yeah. What was What was amazing with the Sylvan interview is we found out he had been on Wheel of Fortune multiple times. Was it Wheel of Fortune? Was it? It was. He was on Wheel of Fortune. He won a bunch, and he was on another show in the eighties. And yeah, the KFC ads, which we've spent a good portion of our life over the last month trying to find with no success. Oh no. he, he was a carryover champ like three times on Wheel of Fortune, saying then he wins a car on Survivor. So. He was do- he was doing quite well uh, on the reality sort of TV show quiz games back then. So I, I think the fact that he went before you, well, that's only fair enough. Give you a bit more time in front of the TV. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, sounds like Sylvan's a pretty lucky kind of guy. One one player that always intrigues me. We we didn't get to see a real lot of her during the show. She 
with the editing of the show was Karen. Where did she fit in with your tribe? And was she a similar person to you? Uh, she was similar age, but where did she fit in in Kadena? Um, yeah, Karen, well, she was actually the eldest of the uh, the famous five. So she was 29. So she was actually closer in age to David than she was to me. I was 22 at the time. Um, yeah, she, I guess, it's, yeah, it is interesting. Perhaps maybe she was aware that um, maybe Craig and I were perhaps a little bit tighter than she and I were or she and Craig were. So she she kind of sat in the middle a little bit because, um, you know, obviously Deb and Sylvan were, were very close and they still are. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like she was she was maybe in the middle a little bit. Um, and I don't know whether you would necessarily say she was a swing vote or anything like that because, you know, to me, each vote that happened, it was it was obvious what was going to go on. Um, and I think she kind of, you know, I don't want to speak for her. Hopefully you do get a chance to have a chat with her at some point. But perhaps she felt that she was just going to go the way of the, the group. Yeah. Did, did you think that Jane sucked as much as she thought Jane sucked? oh look little jane she's just you know she's gorgeous and of course she's you know she's in her late 30s now but um i yeah i I certainly wouldn't say that i thought she sucked um (laughs) but i i would be lying also if i said i wasn't extraordinarily disappointed that she lasted longer than i did Would you have loved to have been on Tapara from the start? Because let's be honest, they they had some ruthless players in their tribe. I mean, Katie Gold, one of the greatest players in the history of this game anywhere in the world. Rob Shona, unbelievable. Obviously, Rob Dixon often gets referred to as, if not one of the greatest all-time winners in in Australian Survivor history. Um, So much was going on over in Tapara compared to Kadena. Like, is that something you ever afterwards and you got to sit back and watch it on TV? Did you ever think to yourself, like, what if Jane was in Kadena and you got to be in, in Tapara and how you would have gone with the likes of Katie and Shona and the rest of them? Um, yeah, like, you can't help but, you know, toss around every possibility when you, you know, I'm sure you, you understand, Matt, when you leave, you, you obsess over every little detail and decision and choice that, that you made and, and perhaps was made for you. But... I don't. Um, I don't know that I ever felt like God. I wish I was on Tapara. Um, I wish our group had been more successful. Yeah. That that's that's how I, I honestly feel. And you know, to a degree, we were a little bit um, unlucky in terms of the way that we'll be remembered because we, for every immunity challenge that we lost, we won a reward challenge. You know, we we just peaked on the wrong day. You know, it was it was yeah unfortunate i think and and you know so for perhaps not so much wishing i was on the other tribe but i just wish that i felt like the potential that we had in kadena it was there and you know we we had moments of success but it just came at the wrong time it's interesting you say that because the one thing about the kadena tribe and i think i've watched it numerous times obviously in preparation for for doing asa podcast is the more i watch it you realize like there was something about the Kadena tribe. Like you just, you, although, let's be honest, it, you were terrible in in the immunity challenges, and that's why you got decimated. You just you had good players, you had good people, good characters, and you know 
I could almost say Kadena were, were more of my favourite tribe than Tapara were, even though Tapara did so much better. But And that's why I think it's always hard to know why it just didn't click. Mm. Yes, yep. That's. Uh, I wish I had the answer for you, Matt, and I, I, I wish you had it for me, actually. But I, it's it's infuriating in some ways. As I said, like, I'm, I'm competitive. I'm, I'm tough. Like, I love the contest. And, you know, to, to be just, you know, wiped out so quickly. You know, we just, it was just a, a downhill train, really, right from the get-go. And, you know, at any moment, it, we could have won. You know, we could have won one here or there. And, and it might have changed things around. But it's just, it's so hard when you're in that situation to to wiggle out of it when there's there was really so few opportunities, really, to do so. Was it surprising that Sylvan gave you a vote on his way out? Did, did you know that vote was coming your way? Do you know, I actually didn't. And I don't know. Um, I didn't think that I had a vote against me until um, my, you know, the night that I got voted out when I was booted. So I, did that get shown? I, I don't know whether I've blocked that out or not. I think it did I, get shown because they generally sort of over the final words will always always show it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, I mean, that's I, we didn't really bring that up with him when we had him on. But, um, yeah, sort of I don't know if there was something there why Sylvan dropped a vote against you in, instead of Craig or, or Karen. No, no, I don't know. I, I guess you'd have to ask him that. But, um, yeah, you know, we were we were fine. Like there was no, I, I, I don't hold that against Sylvan. I didn't then if, if, if I knew about that at the time, and I certainly don't now. But, um, you know, he had to vote for someone, didn't he? So it just happened to be me. One big achievement you were able to uh, to have in the game was you made merge. Was that something leading up to that that you you set out to? This is what I want to do. I, I, we're getting decimated, but I at least want to make merge. And on top of that, you, you have a new camp. You've got all the Tapara members there. What was your initial thoughts of you know the camp itself, the the rest of the Tapara members when you finally got to interact with them? Um. Yeah, so just in answering the first part of your question there, I, I I kind of went in with a you know a three pronged attack, I guess. I I I thought, you know, and with great respect to you, Matt, it's it's every survivor's player's mortal fear to get voted out first, is it not? <laughs> um, you are sorry, both that's... part of unique clubs. You've got the first boot club and the first jury member club. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's unique it. clubs. That's well, I was going to say that you know my first my first goal was to not get voted out on the first vote, um, and you know that was fine. It's easy, um, but then it's not, it, it's not that easy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Of course, of course. Yeah, okay, I, I take that back. It's it happens, <laughs> but uh, I, I, that was the first part of my my plan. Um, the second part was not to you know well actually no it was it was to make merge so I was keen to do that but I that wasn't the end that was only two-thirds of the way of the way through my my goal or my plan um and the third one was obviously to win so I ticked off the first two but I didn't quite get to the the third one but I'm a firm believer you can't win survivor on the first day you know you've got to have yeah Matt you've got to have a plan you've got to go you know you can't just win it from day one. 
So what was that take then on the, the Tapara members kind of when you got that chance, as Matt was saying, to kind of size them up, meet them, discuss them? Did, did you have any opinions change? You know, you might have thought one way Jane sucked, but actually she was fine when you met her. <laughs> yeah, look, Jane's a really nice person and, um, yeah, she, she may be... Yeah, maybe wasn't the most, uh, the strongest or the most strategic survivor player, but she's a she's a lovely person. But um, it was great to meet them, to be honest, because you're kind of sizing them up from a distance all the time. You don't get an opportunity really to get to know them unless you make merge until you get there. So um, it was great. It was good to meet them. Um, we obviously knew we had our backs against the wall. It was only Car and myself and Craig left at that point, but it was good to get to know them but we you know we had a few little conversations and interesting things happened like in the lead up and and even in those early days once we merged um you know katie was right onto us straight away you know planting seeds and things like that so you know you you get an idea what you know who's playing and i guess who's what the pecking order is i suppose I'd love to get your thoughts on Shona because we, we had even Lincoln mention that Shona could be quite an intimidating woman um, just in her personality and you've gone into that merge with Shona in a very good position so she was up there running the tribe. What was your interactions with Shona Shona like? Yeah, look, we um, we had a few conversations but I think she was, you know, she she had, you know, her ducks in a row already so... We, you know, we, we absolutely, we had some, some good chats. She'd actually spent some time um, earlier in her life, not too far, working not too far from where I grew up. So that was that was kind of like a little um, point of, you know, I guess common ground. Um, she's She had her ways. Like she, you know, that, that's another interesting thing about, about two tribes coming together and particularly when it's, you know, we were outnumbered. Everyone has their way of doing things and... Tapara had their way of doing things and we kind of just slotted into that, um, you know, but, but Shona was very organised, you know, she, she, she kind of ran the, the fire and the rice and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I've got nothing but respect for Shona. Um, I didn't get to spend a long time playing, you know, with her or alongside of her, but um, a, a great lady and, a, and certainly a great survivor player. We saw... Craig discussing how he kind of worked out who how the pecking order was, you know, that alliance. W- were there many conversations that you had with Craig sort of discussing that? And from that point, was it then we need to work on these other players who aren't in the alliance? I mean, we saw Craig do that a lot, but was yeah. there kind of a double team? Were you also involved in that? Were you talking to Joel? Were you talking to Lance, people like that, to try and see what you could do and see if you could get them to sway across with you guys? Oh, look, honestly, probably not so much. Um, I was talking to all of those people, but it was, you know, as I said before, it was sort of, it was it was so hard. It's so hard when it's, you know, seven onto three to kind of give them a deal that's attractive enough for them to break what they've already kind of got going. Um, I tried. Um, you know, I'm not sure if we're talking about that yet, but obviously um, when I was the only remaining Kadena member, former Kadena member left um, post-merge, when Craig had won um, individual immunity, obviously all eyes are on me. And I, I certainly made, um, you know, I made a big effort on that, that final day to, to try and get around and talk to everybody. Um, 
which I did accept, unfortunately. I didn't get the opportunity to talk to Rob. And he was probably the one who could have saved me there. Um, and we, we kind of talked about that a little bit after. And he said, if you had come to me with a, a, a good enough, you know, um, plan or an idea or a deal, you know, maybe we could have made something work, which, you know, kind of killed me at the time when he said that. But, you know, you, you can only do what you can do. There's, there's obviously um, you've got a certain amount of time and then you're off to tribal or you're, you know, whatever. So I, I had the conversations and I said, you know, I'm not ready to go. I don't want to go. I've got lots to offer. I may have tried to um, perhaps outposition Jane at that point in some of those conversations, um, but it just unfortunately wasn't wasn't enough. We well, just while we're on that topic, because we talked a lot about that last week about how it did seem very much on the cusp of they were swaying their their options. Like you know, Jane was a potential option there, even. Sophie's name looked like it could likely be thrown out had, as Katie said, you know, loose lips sink ships, like if she's the one mm. kind of going back in that alliance. So that is kind of one of those interesting what-if scenarios where you have that conversation with Rob. Maybe Jane goes at that point. Then there's still two of you versus, you know, six of them. There's one less of them. All of a sudden, Joel, Sophie, boom, boom, boom. Y you never know what could have happened. I know, if only. I just, I feel like back when we played, there was a bit of a recipe, though, for how it kind of went. You know, it was, it made sense. Let's get rid of them before we, we kind of have to look at our own. Um, and that's, that's what I mean, I think, when I say that it was, our options were limited. It was, it really felt like win individual immunity or that's it. And, you know, and hats off to Craig, like full credit to him that he was able to do that a couple of times because if he didn't, he would have gone before me, you know, before Karen. So, yeah, it, it's just in those in those days, um, if I can, can use that phrase, it, it, was, it was like there was a bit of a script that was a survivor script that was followed in terms of the, the next vote, I guess. So it was really hard to kind of break that. Did you feel when Karen went that that was always going to be for Karen, or did you kind of go into that tribal thinking, shit, is this going to be me or Karen? Like, was there kind of one vibe there that you felt you were safe and Karen was going? Um, yeah, I did. I felt like Karen was going, but that didn't make me feel any less nervous. And I do remember that that tribal. Um, Karen was another one, I think, who was by that point was actually um, quite okay with her fate um, and may have mentioned that that she was okay with, with being the vote, which, you know, makes it um, a little more straightforward. But still, you know, if for some reason they had have decided, well, no, let's let's get rid of Naomi, you never know. You just never, never quite know. But, but I felt like she was um, probably going that night and, and I was right. It was a pretty big vote, though, because whoever went, whether it was going to be Karen or yourself, meant one, although you'd all made the merge, it meant one was not going to make the jury. Mm. One was going to have to go back to Port Lincoln, you know, to the rest of them. And whoever got to stay get to be part of the jury. I mean, that's a pretty big achievement to make the jury. So it would be definitely one that you'd want to get through so you can be a part of the game all the way to the end. Yeah, I, I guess you're right, Matt. I, um, I don't know whether I felt like that at the time in terms of um, just wanting to make the jury. Uh, like, obviously, I think that was just inherent. I wanted to make the jury. Um, 
and you know oh my god I would have been devastated had I been voted out that that night I was devastated when I was voted out but um you know it was it was good to be on the jury but it wasn't where I wanted to be I wanted to be on the stupid boat still (laughs) the the you mentioned Katie sort of coming to you from the get-go that infamous conversation where Katie basically sits you down and he's like hey guys you're all going to vote for Lance because it's better for us and it's like if you don't we're going to vote you out anyway what what yeah. goes through your mind in that? Because, you know, we talked in that episode that that plays differently in modern Survivor. You know, Katie is kind of screwed if she has that conversation nowadays. She can get away with it back then because, as you said, the game was played differently. So it's a lot mm. easier to have that conversation. But, I mean, Karen reacts the way she did. Craig reacts the way he did. You kind of quiet in at least what we saw on screen. I mean, what's going through your mm. mind when Katie's barking these orders at you? I'm just listening. I'm like, you know, well, you know, where's this coming from? Where's it going? What's, um, you know, what's her 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 aim here? I suppose. Um, and obviously, you know, Rob at that point had already he, you know, he had an alliance with everybody. They thought. Um, so she was like, well, let's. I'm gonna. We'll we'll get rid of Lance first, and perhaps because. To her, he's Lance is a lovely man. He's a likable guy. He's, um, you know, he's yeah, he's a really really good person. And and perhaps she might have also felt that he could have been more of a challenge threat potentially than maybe somebody like um, um Jane, maybe Sophie. Although Sophie went on to win some individual immunities, so she was a pretty tough competitor. But I, I guess that's where that came from for Katie. And it was, it was interesting. It was really really interesting. And um. You know, I'm sure you'll talk to Craig at some point and, you know, he threw a vote out for Rob after that. He's like, I'm I'm not going to be told who to vote for. I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next question was we see two two, uh, episodes in a row. um, He gives Rob a vote. You don't. You vote for Lance. But did you know that Craig was going to put a vote out uh, for Rob? Did he tell you prior that he was going to do that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think I remember having that conversation and, you know, I guess the reason I went for Lance was, well, you know, if it's not, I've got to try and save, you know, myself here in the next in the next vote, but if it's not going to be Lance, then, um, you know, maybe there might be some Tapara people who are also on board with Katie thinking, let's, let's pop Lance now, let's get rid of him here. So... I thought, well, that's where my vote will go. Uh, Craig was, you know, he was saying, I'm, I'm going to throw one on Rob just to make him squirm, make him feel uneasy. So I do I do recall vaguely that, that conversation. I think I knew he was going to vote for Rob that night. Was that perception then that it was Rob in control and, and that Katie was kind of just his, you know, side jester or something like that who's kind of, as we saw in that episode, you know, Rob basically says, you know, Katie said she's going to do this. I didn't tell her to, but I didn't say no. Like, was was kind of yeah. there that perception that Rob was the one dictating this and Katie was just kind of doing his dirty work? Um, I honestly, I didn't think obviously that, that Rob was, um, you know, in a, a more, in a better position than Katie at that point, I suppose. I think, um, yeah, they were, they were, Probably, or at least Katie would have felt that they were both steering the ship equally there. But um, yeah, it wasn't clear that that it was Rob, even though he was always um, he was always a leader. He was always, you know, quite powerful in some respects. It wasn't like Rob up here and you know, and then daylight before Katie and the rest of them. It, it seemed a little bit more even to me. 
And it, was it fun that next morning? Because we saw a lot of Rob kind of, you know, going on about like, hey, I got to vote. Oh, there was an exclamation mark. You know, that lovely little bit he had with Lance when Lance is just like, dude, yeah. I got two votes. What are you talking about? But <laughs> what, was, there, was there more to that with Rob kind of going around camp, you know, yeah, I got to vote against me? Um, oh, look, I don't think so. I think he, I think he was kind of, you know, he was, he was all right about it. it you know, if we compare post-vote um, conversations, you know, he certainly didn't blow up like David did when he got votes much earlier on in the game. But, um, you know, I think he was just probably trying to just, just start that conversation and, and maybe make the person who cast the vote feel a little uneasy. That's, that's probably what I think he was doing there. We, we mentioned slightly before about the reward challenge that you, you ultimately would win. The, the thing that fascinated me a lot about that one was that this is a, you know, a challenge about trying to deceive people. So you're obviously trying to get them to either believe you or not believe you, go the opposite direction so you get the most uh, votes, essentially. And your story out of all of them was kind of just one of these ones where I was like, well, that seems fairly believable, and yet no one seemed to believe you. Like, was this just a thing that surprise you that hey guys why don't you believe me like did you never talk about the fact that you did ballet with them before or something I mustn't have but I I do remember you know well we obviously we got the clue about what the challenge would be and um maybe had the heads up about we'd have to be involved telling a story and I can remember like walking to this challenge and, and saying to Craig like man, I can't lie. Like, this is going to, I'm going to be terrible at this challenge. Like, I'm just, I'm not believable. Like, I'll go red or whatever, you know. Um, And then when we got there and and Lincoln explained it and he said it was about you can tell a story and it has to be, it can be true or it can be false, but it's about trying to deceive the others and, and then they will have to decide whether it's a true or a false story. So obviously prior to that we had to actually disclosed to a producer what the story was going to be um, and whether it was true or false. So you kind of couldn't change your mind at the once you saw the way the votes were going. But that was an odd challenge. Like when I think back to it, um, and the way it was edited was a little bit interesting too because I was actually the second person to tell my story. So someone went first and, I don't know, you had to pick a side, stand under a true sign or a false sign based on what you believed. So we, we did the first one and then it kind of was, you know, I told mine and, and it, there was whatever the split was. But after that, you got the idea that I'm just going to go where, you know, I'm going to even out the numbers here. So um, I was in, I was fortunate. I was a bit lucky that I went second, I think, because after that, I just waited to watch which direction everyone walked in and I th- just went the way that was going to mean I would ultimately win it. So It's very smart. Um, Oh, thank you. <laughs> it was um, it was just a bizarre challenge. Like I look back on that now and I think I wonder afterwards, did they wish maybe that it was like a little dropper vote in a box or something and, you know, um, where we didn't know what other people believed, whether it was true or false. So there I went and I told my, my true little story and I, I think perhaps the part about doing ballet for nine years might have actually thrown people and they looked at me and going, hang on a minute, this girl brought a football as a luxury <laughs> item, now she's telling us she did ballet, that something doesn't add up here maybe. But anyway, it was a true story and, and yeah, I won, so that was exciting. You talk about having conversation with Craig on the way to that challenge. Um, Eddie Maguire brought up in the reunion about, you know, did you think about 
taking someone else with you. And I'll ask you a bit more about that in a second. But I love that when you you answered Eddie, you said to Craig that, hey, if you win and you don't take me, I'm going to kick your ass. So um, <laughs> did, did that essentially what it brought it down to? You thought, well, shit, I've told Craig that. He's probably going to kick my ass if I don't take him. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It was just, uh, You just have to make the decision in that moment. And, um, you know, obviously it was only he and I left from the old Kadena at that stage. It would have been awful if I didn't take him. But I don't know, maybe for my game it might have been better had I have taken somebody else. But I would have absolutely had to have picked the right person, I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether that choice really impacted the way things sort of went down for me after that. But, um, you know, it was it was fun. It was, it was cool. It was good to share that with Craig anyway. So your reward, you get to spend a night in the Micara Station little brick uh, uh, one bedroom. It looked like an um, uh, old house from the 1840s. And you got to win a computer as well, thanks to thanks our good, to our friends, good at friends at Intel. Intel. Sorry, I had <laughs> yeah. to jump in there. Yep. Thanks, our Intel. So, so Great we friends got... at Intel. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we see you and Craig get to sit down and have a have a sit down meal and you, use your knife and fork and and all that. But uh, like, tell us what actually happened that night. Were you, were you up all night? Did you get much sleep? Were you on the internet? What what happened? Um, oh no, it was yeah, it was quite funny. It was just so it was obviously Craig and I, and we had one producer staying with us that night um, as well. Karen, she was a, a, a lovely lady, and yeah, we, we you know they had to stage a little bit obviously to to sort of promote um the computer and that that you know that, that that was obviously a bit of sponsorship there so it was just Good a bit of intel. pretend googling um i'm not sure whether there would have even been any internet service out there it was pretty remote um but it, you know so we did that we um we had a meal that was lovely it was quite bizarre just sitting there having come out of camp and then suddenly sitting down at a table with as you said a knife and fork and a, a lovely roast i think it was from memory um, so that was that was fine. There was also um, not in the hut, which was bizarre, but a little further down the road, there was like a little I don't know shower set up. Um, and so they said, you know, if you really want to, you can go down and have a little bit of a scrub. So yeah, we both went down and um, we each had a shower, and then we went back to the to the hut. I think there was a, a fire inside from memory, so we lit that and just kind of you know yeah, just talked for a while and. And, yeah, that was it, back to camp the next morning. Is there a part of you? Because, I mean, you mentioned at the very beginning how the the one thing you weren't excited for was the fact that they were filming it. Now, you've got yeah. yourself, you've got Craig. You're two young, attractive people. Are, are, you, are you worried that they're going to frame this a different way? Because you obviously had a boyfriend at the time, and I think Craig did. I don't know if he had a girlfriend at the time or not, but, like, are, is that part of you that are thinking, like, well, they're going to frame this. They're going to make this look like, hey, let's, you know, go to this romantic night away. Of course they were going to make it look like that. But, um, <laughs> you know, we were well aware at that stage that that was kind of, you know, the way that, that – it was going to be be seen and and be viewed and you know and that's fine like it was it was funny and you know we were we were obviously close like we were actually very good friends like it's it was um you know there was definitely um a level of respect and rapport there and 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 genuine friendship so yeah it, it was always going to be that way and I could tell from the questions that you know I used to get I think you guys call it a confessional we just would I, I think we referred to it back then as just our you know, interview. Um, yeah, every time, every time there were questions about you know Craig and and all the rest. So yeah, it was it was fun. 
Now, I've got to put this to bed then, Naomi, because of course you know I'm going to ask it. And Matt and I had a little debate last week on the, the show anyway. Did you and Craig ever, you know, go out on a date? Did there, anything ever happen with you two or was it purely platonic and friendship? Oh, look, you know, we we caught up a few times. Yeah, we, we, we were lucky. You know, we got to do some fun things after the show finished. So we're often um, at the same events and... You know, yeah, we it was it was a, an interesting time, and and it, we've we've obviously gone off separate ways. Now we, as I said to you guys earlier off air, we keep in touch a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe you might want to ask Craig that when you have a chat with him in a couple. Oh of weeks. wow! Okay, I like this <laughs> dodging and reading between the lines. All right, I think I won that bet, man. Well, I'm just saying. But yeah, I, I well, I said I said no, nothing happened. Ben said yes, but I have to admit that you, you both definitely seem you seem suited. You seem matched. That, that there's no denying that you, you definitely had the chemistry, and and I guess that's why we we uh, Ben asked the question. Yeah, fair enough. You got to ask it. Hey, it's you know, as I said, I got asked it every day when I was out there, and you know, for probably quite a long time after. So, um, you know, that that's cool. It's all good. You, you were pretty lucky then. The fact that you you mentioned you had that shower. You obviously had the shower at the merge, so you got two sort of quick showers. So good rewards there to have the food. You obviously in your bio pregame, you big fan of chocolate, so you got some chocolate there. Craig loves his chocolate. We know all about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, but you yeah. also got a computer, thanks to our good friends yeah. at Intel. Did you hang on to that <laughs> after the, the show? Did that last you a while? Absolutely. That computer was, like, just a beast. And I'm not lying here, I swear. How, how long ago was this? This is, like, coming up 19 years ago, years ago yeah. you know. I reckon we got rid of that thing maybe two or three years ago. Wow. Yeah, I probably hadn't used it a lot in the couple of years prior to that. But, man, it did the job. It was it was so good. It was ahead of its time, that's for sure. How good are our friends at Intel there, Matt, when they can deliver a beast that lasts that long? My goodness. I'm just glad Sylvan didn't win it because he just would have sold it like he did the car and everything else. <laughs> he would have. You're right. You're spot on. You're well, spot but he, on. Could, he could have used it for his writing, his fantasy one. world. Yeah, exactly. And I guess it, it would have just been something that, you know, occasionally you might have looked over over at over those years afterwards and just, just that little reminder, well, hey, I, I won that while playing Survivor. Yeah, it was, it was worth a lot of money back then. Like, it, yeah, I can't remember exactly how much, but it, at the time I remember thinking that's, yeah, that's a lot. So it was, um, you know, a great reward to win. Um, I tell you, though, I would have swapped it in a second for a, an immunity, but... Um, yeah, it was it was good to win one. Just changing topics now. You're you're the first former contestant from your season that we've had that has made the merge that we've we've interviewed on ASA. One big thing we always mentioned that there was never any merge Aurora tribe buffs. You know, so when when Karen, yourself, and Craig turned up to the new tribe the new camp with the Tapara members, you still had your Katina buffs on. You're the only season ever never to have that merge tribe buff. And, and obviously the merge tribe was Aurora. Did anyone ever ask any questions about that at the time? Like, hey, where's... Because it's it's a symbol to, you know, uh, unite the, the, the people that have made merge where there was... You couldn't do that because you, here you're still in your Kadena buff looking yeah. over against seven people in their, their blue Tapara buff. Did anyone ever question that at the time? 
You are spot on, Matt. We all questioned it. We were devo. You know, that's that's part of the the great joy, I think, in, in making Merge is we're a new tribe. We got kind of gifted this name, Aurora, which was fine, but I know that's quite different now where, um, you know, in more recent seasons, generally uh, the new tribe picked their own name. But to not have a buff, my God, that was like, that was the worst. And you know, yeah, interesting. So three little uh, yellow buffs and seven blue buffs, and we just had to kind of pretend that we were one big happy family. So, yeah, it was it was disappointing, absolutely. And I'd love to know. I'd love to find out why that that was the case. You might have to keep listening to the show. We might be able to have an answer for that uh, at some Ooh. point coming soon. Was it when you watch it back? We'll get to your vote in just a sec, but. That, that famous sort of little moment between Craig and Lance where Craig's basically saying, like, Lance, like, like what are you doing, man? Like, these guys are in alliance. You know, you've got to know this. And Lance is essentially like, I don't believe you. I know these guys. And Craig's basically like, you're going to be sitting on your couch watching this thinking, geez, Craig was right. How frustrating is it watching that? I mean, again, Lance, super nice guy. We love Lance. But that must be frustrating to see him just not even even wanting to, you know, think about the possibility that they're in alliance. No, you're right. You're right, Ben. It's it. Yeah, it, it was a kind of funny, but also frustrating for sure. Because, you know, he, he's a guy who's lived in that tribe for you know up in twenty days or whatever, and and hasn't isn't aware, like isn't aware that that's happened. And you know, he is as I mentioned earlier, he's a just the loveliest person. He's a gentle man, and and you know, but. He quite possibly, if he hadn't have been on Tapara, with that sort of de- you know demeanor or attitude, I guess if he'd been been with us, he might he might not have lasted that long. You know, um, yeah, I think you have to be willing to listen when people are talking. You have to hear what they're saying, even if you don't believe it straight away or one way or the other. You have to make up your own mind and. You know, I guess maybe he did. Perhaps he did listen and, and then just thought, no, that's that can't be right. But I felt for Lance, actually, when, you know, watching that as well and thinking he is sitting at home on his couch watching this and, you know, yeah, he, he's got to be kicking himself. So, you know, I don't know. What really made for great viewing uh, in the early parts of the merge, and this is something that we've been trying to point out that, it seems to have been forgotten. It's gone through the cracks with people of kind of forgetting about your season. Is that entertainment that Craig really brought when he's really trying to stir the pot? And that's something that at that point in Survivor really wasn't something that happened. We'd seen Borneo kind of it not really happen. It led to the famous term pagonging that we still use today. And <laughs> even on the Australian Outback, it was different because you went in with two even tribes. It all came yeah. down to Kimmy essentially leaking that, you know, there was a vote against her name, uh, against Varna's name. He was gone. So therefore that led to that. Did you, and when you went out too, as well, as we've already talked about, you were fighting, you were, you were trying everything that you could. You were, you were going out of your way to really, I guess, not just go out with your tail between your legs. Do do you think this is going to lead into a future question that we'll ask? Do you think that little things like that deserve to add your season, getting a little bit more credit? Because there was a lot of fight there. Craig, yourself, you did bring a lot of fight to that table, despite what many people say. Yeah, I know. Uh, Yeah, look... I absolutely understand that I've I can't kind of control what other people think or view or feel about our season or, or how it went down. But yeah, I look. It's just it, it kills me now. Like I just 
I just was so disappointed and I did not want to go, you know, and there'd been people prior, which I've alluded to, who probably were okay with going and maybe wanted to um, when it, when their time kind of came. But it's, yeah, it, it was difficult. I didn't want to go down without a fight. You're right, you're spot on. And, and you know, I, I, I kind of knew that, that it would be, you know, most likely that, that that was the way it was going to go, but I just wasn't happy to leave it like... You know, I'm, I'm going to make these people feel bad if they're going to vote for me, you know. I'm going to tell them what I've got to offer. And it's hard because, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm competitive and I, I just didn't want, to, I didn't want it to be over, you know. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to win it. I wanted to get there and I wanted to win it. So we mentioned you were the first person to make jury. Now, as we Channel 10, when, when you make the jury, they you can go on to ten play and you can actually watch Jury Villa where after each player gets voted out, they go back and you see footage of that. Um, in America, they call it Ponderosa. But so tell us, how did it work back then on Australian Survivor in two thousand and one? Like, did you did you go back to a fancy place? Did you get to see the other members that came on later on in the jury? How did it all work? Yeah, look, I'm glad you brought that up because. There was no jury villa in Whaler's Way. There was nothing like that whatsoever. And I'm not sure what I expected necessarily. Um, I don't even know if they'd talked about Ponderosa in the American seasons at that point. But, yeah, I, I was shocked and disappointed to find that I was going to be – I was taken back to, to um, Port Lincoln that night, um, just stayed with a couple of producers that first night and then – they, you know, had a beer, had a shower, had a pizza. That was all good. But, um, you know, then they kind of sat me down and, and Stephen was there and he said, look, you realise that um, you'll go to a hotel tomorrow and you are not allowed to speak to anybody. You know, you will be there by yourself. And I was like, what? So he's like, yep, this is, you know, you've got a very important job. It's, you know, you're the first jury member. We don't want members of the jury speaking to one another. Um, you know, they didn't want us to collude, I believe. That's what I think. They, they were worried about maybe um, myself and then the, the future jury members perhaps getting together and deciding, you know, as a group. I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. But I found that so incredibly hard. You know, you kind of get yanked out of that um, environment and then told, you know, you're on your own can't call home, can't do anything. If you want to leave your hotel room, you kind of, you've got to ring us because um, we don't want too many survivors walking around Port Lincoln at the same time. You know, at this stage, obviously still having to keep it really secret, even pretend I'm not a survivor. And, you know, it was really, really tough. Yeah. Which is, is interesting because back in the early days of the US version, it was similar. They did sequester the jury uh, and obviously now they don't because you do have Ponderosa that they share on, on the website. But it has been a, a long debate whether this would change things up in Survivor. And I'm, I'm on the notion that it does. I believe if you can't have that conversation with fellow jury members, you can't sway things. And it's so rare particularly in the US version, to have a close vote anymore. And it always is very one-sided. And a lot of that comes down to conversations at Ponderosa. But on the flip side, hearing that from your perspective, it is no doubt going to suck because what are you going to do? I guess sit in your hotel room all day and catch up on what, Kerry ann Kennelly or whatever was on TV <laughs> at the time and see what Bert Newton's doing on Good Morning Australia. Like I can imagine that's just so difficult. 
Yeah, well, it really was. And, you know, that that's an interesting perspective that you give, though. You're right. There hasn't been a close vote for a long time. But, you know, I felt by the time the rest of the game had played out and, you know, it, it had come down to, obviously, Rob and Shona, that I felt like I kind of knew who everyone else would vote for anyway. I'd been I'd been to every tribal council, you know. I, I'd listened to the conversations and, you know, I, I knew. I, I sort of felt strongly that, that Rob would ultimately win. Um, and, you know, after that final tribal where everybody gets their say and their question, you know, I sort of felt that I knew which way the votes were going to go from which people. And, you know, obviously... As I mentioned, Craig and I were were close, but we voted differently on that last vote. Like he voted for Shona, I voted for Rob, and despite being close, we voted differently. I knew he'd vote for Shona. I don't know if he knew I would vote for Rob, but that wouldn't have changed for me had we have been able to, um, you know, all the jury members stay together. I can completely with relate to you when you say about how it is a hard part of the game is when, when in that lockdown period where, you know, you're not allowed to leave the hotel room. I know um, when I went to Fiji, I was in lockdown for a whole week before the game even started. No TV, no internet, no phone, no nothing. You know, you'd get a knock on a door, you'd open up, hand in a meal, close it, that's it. Um, it's, it's the hardest week or the hardest period. But I understand what you're saying with the jury but I have to agree with Ben. I think although it's hard on the contestants that you would have to be locked away and kept from talking to any other contestants, I still think it pers- – well, th- this is in my opinion that it gives a bit more of a pure outcome at the end. I, I don't know whether this – me talking as a police officer, I know when people start colluding with each other, th- people's thoughts start changing and they can be easily persuaded to yeah. go in a certain way. And I think that does happen now. I think that definitely happens now where that's why we're seeing these votes blow out where people are lucky to get one vote where the other person just gets all of them because they yeah. they can because what else do they have to talk about they're sitting around they're having beers eating mm-hmm. chatting and they're talking about the game you, they'll be talking about it non-stop and, and then people might think that at the end of it it's their decision but is it really is it that they where i think as though it would have been hard for you guys back in the day and I know in the end, you know, Shona only got a couple of votes, but I, 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 my opinion is it still is the better way to do it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I was going to mention, as you said, um, you know, it, Shona did only get two votes and Rob got seven. So it wasn't a close vote, unfortunately, in the end. So, But you're right, certainly an organic vote because nobody was able to talk to one another and nobody was able to persuade anybody else or, or anything like that. But, you know, just one more point on that. We were all disappointed that it wasn't us sitting there at the end. So a, a great deal of thought goes into who you vote for at the end. Um, and people vote for different reasons, you know, based upon who deserves it more maybe or who they relate to more or, or whatever it might be. Everyone has their own set of criteria, I think, for that. So I, I absolutely get what you're saying. Um, yeah, and, and that's a really, really interesting point. The thing that I you just made don't very- change for me. Well, the, the point you made, actually, which is a very interesting one, which I haven't really thought about until you just mentioned it, was that you and Craig 
went to every tribal council the entire season with the exception of the one immunity challenge that you did win. So you, you went to every single tribal council, which was pretty fascinating. Um, I mean, I, that's, I can see why you hated the bloody ship. There you are. Like you, you're there for bloody <laughs> I, what? 12, 13 freaking times. <laughs> absolutely. I was, I was its most frequent visitor. I was, yeah, it was crap. What they should, led them? They should have to- re- they should have renamed it from the Great Beyond Boat to you know Craig and Naomi. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's right. Ships get named after ladies, yeah. don't they yeah. usually? Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, if you ever own a ship, but you hate bloody ships, so we know that's the point. You've probably never been on a boat, <laughs> boat since. Yeah. You know, it's been named no, 19 years. and I'll tell you what, the last place I would ever be, even prior to this interesting time in, in history, would be a cruise. You never, ever see me on a cruise. There you go. Wow, wow. There's, this is a deep hatred of ships, Matt. This is, this is, <laughs> it's, it's more than just the great beyond. What, what led to that vote then for Rob? Um, oh, gosh. I didn't decide straight away, I don't think. Um I just, you know, I respected him and that's not to say that I didn't respect Shona. I absolutely did. I just, you know, once everything unfolded and you kind of saw how it all played out, I felt like he was maybe more pivotal in in some of those decisions possibly. Um, And I, you know, ultimately probably related a little bit more to him than to Shona. Um, and that's no, not the reason, absolutely not the reason why I didn't vote for her. But just, you know, the, it's a collection of things. It's, it's really hard to just give a, an easy answer to that question. But for lots of different little reasons, I think um, I, I went for Rob. The one what if, and this is Matt mentioned it before, you're the first jury member that we've spoken to on the show, so we can sort of put this to, to different members over the coming weeks, is... You know, what if scenarios, if a certain person is at the end instead of another person. The one that would really fascinate me because in that final episode, the producers tried to make it a final three instead of a final two. It seemed to yeah. sort of be to help Katie get to the end. I'd love to know that perspective if it was a Katie Rob final two. I think that's probably the most interesting one out of all of it. But do you think that changes? Like if Katie's at the end, do you vote differently? Do you think more people would vote differently? Um, no, not necessarily, I don't think. Um, I don't think it was ever going to be Katie and Rob at the end, but I know we're playing hypothetical here, but Katie was much more polarising, I think, than Rob was. Um, Rob was pretty level. Like, he, he, you know, spoke to everybody, gave everyone time. He, he was very, not, I wouldn't say unemotional, but just he certainly didn't ride the highs and lows so much as Katie, I think, and... You know, she, you know, as a, as a great competitor and a, a greater person as she is, I think she divided people maybe a little bit more than, than Rob, Rob did. So in the end, although it might have been a closer vote, possibly some people might have gone for her who, who went for Rob in, um, in the Rob Shona final two, I still feel like he would have won in that, in that scenario. The only other flip one that I just kind of thought about here, because it's a little bit closer given that it was the final three again, probably never would have happened after the agreement that Joel made. But let's play the dream scenario. Well, not dream scenario. It's a different scenario. It's a Joel yeah. Shona final two. Who gets the vote there? Oh, wow. Oh, gosh. Shona. Wow. Yeah. There you go. We need to tally yeah. these, Matt. We need to keep this up potentially to see, you know, in an alternate universe. I, I still think I think Shona played a great game. To be honest, Absolutely. I I think if if 
if she was on your tribe, I think she goes very early. She could even be the first boot because the fact that you had the famous five, you know, I don't know if she would have connected as well with the famous five than she did with, with Rob. I mean, the, the connection she had with Rob was, was evident when you watch them together and even Katie. So, and you mentioned it earlier, there's so much luck in Survivor. I think until you actually play the game, and I think Ben can relate because, you know, Ben is an icon of Survivor podcasting. He's you know interviewed so many people that uh, I think there's that understanding that, you know, all it takes is for one little thing to change and you can go from going early to, to going all the way. But, I mean, Shona was a great player. Oh, she was an amazing, absolutely incredible. Um, you know, she, yeah, she she played a Beautifully, and and you're spot on, Matt. Like if if she had have been on Kadena, I think she might have she might have actually potentially buddied up with Tim. I can see that they would have been, yeah. um, you know, a good pair, and yeah. you know, similar in some ways, but you know, and and lots of you know, possibly things in common. Um, it would have been interesting for me had that have been the case too, if Shona had have been a member of Kadena, because obviously. As you saw unfold, she and Craig actually became quite close, and she didn't want to vote Craig out. You know, she she had a great amount of respect for him and and for his game, and and she had to really, um, you know, she she pitched not voting Craig out, and I think you know was shut down obviously by by the Tapara Alliance, but you know it would have been interesting maybe if she had have been on Kadena and she and Craig had buddied up, where would that have maybe left me? You know. I don't know. Maybe I would have been on Tapara, but yeah, it's it's just oh, it's it's so interesting, and it's you know, as I said earlier, it it just the fires there, just having all these conversations and the what ifs, and you know, it's it is a game of of you know strategy, but it's also a game of of luck, and I have no doubt, and I stand by this. I've always felt this that if you restarted any season once it had finished, as if people hadn't played together prior. It would, you know, maybe people might get voted out at similar-ish points, but I guarantee it would not, it would not fall in the same way. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. And I think um, one thing we're seeing to date this episode uh, during Winners at War, for example, is that it's all well and good to sit down and predict. You know, these winners won this way. This is what's going to happen. And oh, this winner is going to be a big target because they're, you know, such a legend of the game. But it, it definitely plays out differently all the time any returning player season has always played out different to what on paper it should so it's um this is the beauty of survivor is that yeah absolutely correct that this this game plays out in a million and one different ways and it's it's never predictable you're right yeah it's it's just it's that's what makes it unique that's what you know, in, is inspiring about it. That's what's fascinating about it. It's just, you know, yeah. You you only get that one shot though, and and you've got to you've got to find your way. Yeah. Another thing that's fascinating about being a contestant is even once the game's over, that's only half of it because you get home and then you've got to wait until it's gonna that first episode airs, and it's normally you know a, a good couple of months, few months before you finally get to sit down with your family and watch it. So when you watch the ser- series what was your thoughts on it especially i mean that after that first episode got a lot of slack because of that whole challenge going wrong they aired it i still can't believe that they actually aired, they actually showed the the public that the viewers they would never do that these days they would just cut it out and you no one would be none the wiser 
But mm. it got a bit of a bad rap, but it did actually turn into a pretty good season. But I think by then they had lost viewers. There was sort of that negativity about, well, you know, Lincoln isn't Jeff Probes. This isn't America. This is not the real deal. But what were your thoughts on the actual series as a whole? Yeah. Oh, look, yep. Um, so sitting down to watch that that first episode, you're obviously really excited and anticipating, you know, how it's all going to sort of be be shown um and then you hear the opening bars of our of our lovely um music for australian survivor and and we didn't know at that point that that we weren't going to have the the real deal and that was disappointing to be honest with with great respect to whoever wrote that that piece of, of music it's not a bad piece of music but it's not survivor music you know it was yeah so that that was kind of um difficult and then obviously, as you mentioned, with that, the first challenge that that just went so badly, it was, you know, devastating for lots of reasons. Um, it, yeah, it, it kind of, I felt right from that very first episode that I had to defend the show. You know, I was always on the defensive and, and also for myself and our tribe, I think. You know, it's interesting that everyone spoke about, oh, you know, the, 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 the five of us and, and being in our 20s and, and all the rest, it was almost like I thought I had to defend that. But I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I actually can't help that I'm 22. Like, that's just, that's my age. Like, you know, it's, it was really interesting that it was difficult and I, I did feel like for lots of different reasons I, I had to kind of, um, yeah, stick up for Australian Survivor right from the get-go. We know exactly how you feel because Ben and I, 19 years later, here we are sitting in front of a in front of a mic defending it we're the biggest defenders of your season so i love that you guys are amazing it's um yeah well it, that's really um that's really nice to hear you say that and it's great to hear that it's you know was appreciated at the time and and you know through you guys is still kind of yeah is is yeah appreciated today you mentioned about the music, and I'm not sure if you've – I know you've listened to some of our interviews we've done. We actually did an interview with Jack Robin, who was the composer of of that music. So if you, if you haven't had a chance yet, definitely uh, give it a listen. And for any of our other listeners today that um, haven't heard it, it's definitely worth um, listening to and you get an understanding of, yes, it wasn't the, the real music, but just how it all came about. And we obviously mm. now use it for the intro of our podcast. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's listening to that music though. It's funny. I, I say perhaps there was that sense of disappointment when I first um, heard it on that first episode. But hearing the introduction to your podcast, it's like you know the hairs on the back of my neck stand up now. Like it's it's all it takes for all of these memories from nearly nineteen years ago to just come back to the surface. Things that I that I thought I'd forgotten about that are just there. It's it's incredible. Which which it's it's. Interesting you say that because I mean I've I've been completely honest on this show and said that for a long time I was definitely in the negative camp. I I was exactly the same as you. I mean I was only 15 when it aired, but I I still remember that first episode hearing going what the hell is this? This isn't Survivor and it, it felt weird. Um so it it definitely took me a long time to sort of come around and appreciate it. But I think this is, you know, a lot of what we're trying to do on this show is to get that appreciation because we we obviously live in this world now where Australian Survivor is back. It's been very successful on Channel 10. We had a Channel 7 version sort of in between there too. But for the most part, 90% of Australian Survivor fans don't acknowledge your season. They don't acknowledge the second one from Channel 7. 
and they only talk about Channel 10. So All Stars to them was season five, whereas we obviously say it's season seven. Is that frustrating to kind of have that, to have people like Nick Idanton? We're not trying to shit on Nick every week when we bring this up. (laughs) Nick, obviously during All Stars, you know, talks heavily a lot about, I'm an original, I was from season one, when... No, Nick, you weren't. Like, I can imagine that's frustrating to hear people say things like that when you were part of that original group. Yeah, it is interesting to hear when, you know, when people say that. But uh, it, it's, you know, yes, we were. We were the original survivors and it would have been incredible to have been considered some of the the, the competitors from our season for All-Stars. It would have been amazing. Um, I would have put my hand up before anybody like you know just get me back out there give me another crack at it but yeah I I get that you know it's a different network it's it's you know it's almost a a generation later like it's 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 quite amazing but um you know like I don't hold any grudges against um channel 10 of course it's it's their production and it is an incredible production now it's just it's so slick it is you know 100% 100% it is better it has eclipsed the American series now it's just it's entertaining it's exciting you know uh, like and and I watch it now as a fan like for a long time I think you know for the, the seasons that perhaps played out soon after hours of the, of the American Survivor I watched it as a contestant I watched it as someone who played before and I don't know at what point it happened, but now I've just gone back to watching it just as a, a fan and a viewer, and it's just that's the way to go. Like that's the way to watch it, and it it's just incredible. But my God, I would love to have another go at it. I think you nailed it on the head when you said it, it's it's that it's a whole generation gap, and and it is a different network, and and we're obviously defenders of, of your season, and we were definitely saying that they should have had a few years on the All-Stars. But at the same time, we also acknowledge that we understand why it never happened, and that's completely fine. It was never going to happen. We understand that. But And I think you're right. It's because of that whole generation gap. People would be thinking, that, you know, the younger ones would be thinking, who's this Naomi? I haven't seen her play. And yeah. it is hard. It's a little bit hard to, to go back and watch your season now. But one, one thing that by doing all these interviews with you all, you all are in great shape. I mean – even even Lucinda, who was, you know, fairly old now, looked like she could walk straight back out there and play the game again. Every one of the contestants we've interviewed from your season could easily go straight back out there now and play the game. It, it's a, it's amazing. So although it was 19 years ago, I mean, you're still young, Naomi. I mean, you could go play easily tomorrow. Yeah, oh, I'm like, well, you know, give me half a chance, Matt. I'm there. But obviously, you know, it would be different now, but... Like I've got um, a couple of young kids and, you know, it'd be a little bit more complicated than perhaps it was for me um, back in 2001 when we filmed it. Yeah, but but it's, yeah, look, that's really nice of you to say and it's lovely to hear that the other survivors from my series are, are you know, are going so well as well. But I actually feel in many ways I'm probably, you know, I was fit then but I feel like I'm fitter now um, just from that perspective Um you know, I run marathons. I'm, you know, I'm a PE teacher. I'm, I'm active every day. But, um, you know, chasing around after kids of my own as well. So it's, you know, that that doesn't threaten me. Um, I, I'd love to get back out there and happily happily starve again. Although I've got to say, I think that we got fed less than they do now. I really feel strongly about that, and I think a couple of other people have mentioned that too. 
Um, you know, so, but sign me up. I'm there. Are, are your kids aware that you were on Survivor? I realise you've talked to us a little bit off air about how they're big fans of Australian Survivor, but are they aware and have they seen your season? Um, they are, yes, they're aware that I was on it, but they haven't seen it yet. So, um, you know, I think there's some old VHS tapes somewhere that I could dust off for them and they could perhaps find it on YouTube. We can so hook you now. up, Naomi. We oh, can, can you? Up. Yeah. Right. We, we we'll hook you up with some very high quality vision. The kids will think <laughs> the kids will think that you were only out there last month. That's how good the oh, quality really? is. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't necessarily been, you know, hiding it from them or anything like that. But probably now they're getting to an age where they might be um, able to appreciate it a little bit more. It just used to be an exciting story. Mum was on TV once upon a time, but yeah, they're they're massive, massive Survivor fans now, just like like me. Particularly my daughter. She's um. You know, I think it's her her little 10-year-old dream to be um, playing Australian Survivor in 10 years' time. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe there'll be another little, a little Russell running around at some point <laughs> down the track. What about memorabilia from the show? Um, I know you've kept your buff, but uh, did you get to keep anything else from the show that you still have today? Yeah, I've got, um, I've got quite a bit of stuff, actually. Like, I've I've got a number of the um, the challenge clues, the tree mails. We, we sort of had this bit of a, a deal going at Kadena that, um, you know, if you got voted out, you got to keep the, the clue from the challenge that <laughs> that we lost. And that sort of kept going. Um, so I've got that. I've got I've also got the Kadena merge clue, um, which I got framed up with a, a picture of all the contestants together and um, a signed buff that's been signed by everybody. So that's pretty special. It hangs um, out in our garage. We've got a bit of a memorabilia wall um, out there. So so that's cool. I've also got, um, I kept, I don't know why this is random, but I kept my, uh, we used to eat our rice out of like a, a big, well, not not very big clamshell. So I've got that, which is, wow. which is quite odd. And, you know, photos and magazines and things like that that, that kind of highlighted survivor at the time so i've got got a little box stashed away i had one of our our good friends and and listeners matt carr he he actually owns uh he owns craig's uh hat he bought on the auction and a few other things um but he told me that you were you and craig well he he, he from what he could remember that you and craig were in a magazine where you were like in the top 25 hottest celebrities for that year and i tried to track it down and i can't get a copy do you is that do you recall that is that something that you were in i don't think i was i i craig i did um appear in oh goodness nw magazine or something and, and you know a variety of other ones but i think what you're referring to craig might have been i think perhaps you know what would be now the equivalent of who magazine's top 50 you know hottest people for the year or whatever I, I believe so so i probably do i probably got it in a magazine somewhere i'll have to um have to go digging well as we always ask uh whenever it comes to memorabilia please send us photos um scans whatever you can because we we like to share we've we've had so many people send us in some great photos and that of, of memorabilia um deb shared us with some great behind the scenes photos which we haven't even shared yet but uh yeah anything that you are willing to share we would we would definitely love to see Okay, I'll, I'll dust it off and I'll, I'll see what I can find. I have to ask, now your luxury item was the, the AFL football. Whatever happened to that and why was it that you took that on the show? Yeah, the, um, so we obviously 
got to take a luxury item, and I'm, I might ask you at the end of this, Matt, um, I don't know if that's still a thing, is it, with, with Survivor, but, um, yeah, so we, we got to choose one luxury item, and for whatever reason I felt like my football was, was luxury at that time, but I actually remember picking it. Um, we had to nominate a couple of things, and, and my footy was my number one one. Um, and obviously because that had kind of linked with my audition tape and, and everything else, I think um, the production were pretty keen for me to, to have that. So I, I wanted to take it because I thought that I, I knew that there was going to be quite a bit of downtime um, outside of challenges and tribal councils and things like that. So I thought something that we can just do together, you know, um, there's going to be people there who've probably never kicked a, an AFL footy before. It's an interesting shape. You know, you've got, you, you can't kick it like a round ball, obviously. So maybe I can teach someone something. Um, yeah, so, that, so that's kind of the reason behind why I took it. And, you know, it appeared, I think we kicked it around a little bit in the first episode, but I, I mentioned about the, the fatigue that comes with not eating. So, you know, probably after a few days, it, it didn't really surface too much more. I think there's, there, you know, might have popped up in a couple of episodes a little later on, but we weren't sort of running around doing kick to kick and markers up and things like that. It was, you know, when we weren't when we were participating in challenges, we were resting. You know, did, did you have many kicks to kicks with with Rob, given you know his background? Um, maybe maybe one. Yeah, you know, uh, like. I was only with, you know, part of Aurora, obviously, for five days. And, you know, the game was, you know, wrapped up a little bit by that stage. So it wasn't something that, um, yeah, I kind of pulled out and wanted to, yeah, to, to, to play too much. Um, but, yeah, I, I do believe I, I remember us having a, maybe having a bit of a kick and plenty of conversations about footy. So that was fun. I did appreciate when you left, when you went to uh, Tribal Council, that you were just basically hugging this football, essentially, kind of on your way there. And actually, just just really quickly, actually, I forgot to mention too, um, Craig basically uh, breaking down in tears when you left too as well. Like, that must have uh, been an interesting... I don't know if you saw him crying when you were leaving or if that was something you didn't know until you saw it on TV. Um, yeah, oh, look, yeah, we were sad, I think, because... I hadn't been able to, you know, to find a way to to sort of change the way that boat was heading. And, you know, we both knew, hence why I had the footy with me. But I'm not sure if they did show. But after I got voted out, I actually handed it to Joel and just said, take care of it and take it back to camp. And you guys, you know, if you feel like it, you keep playing with it. But it was returned to me a little bit later on and, and whatever. But, yeah, so, you know, on the Craig being sad part, yeah, you know, he was, and and I was, and I was sad as well. But it was, yeah, it was nice, I guess, to see that, you know, that that alliance and that friendship, um, yeah, it was was real. Post game, uh, you mentioned before about you and Craig got a chance to do a few things together. I mean, professionally, I'm not trying to imply anything else there. That's Craig next <laughs> week. But what what sort of opportunities did you have? Did you did you stay in touch with many other people sort of throughout the years as as well? And and just the general fun, I could imagine of being on a TV show at that point, a pretty, well, semi-popular one at the time? Yeah. Um, well, we got to a couple of a couple of really cool things, I, I think. Well, we got to go to the Logies. That was pretty fun um, that particular year. The season was still, our season was still um, on air at that time, so it was kind of a little bit of um, a plug for, for Australian Survivor. So that was um, 
Craig and I and Katie and Rob, so the Victorian survivors, and Lance was also there because I, I believe his wife maybe perhaps worked for TV Week at, at, at that point. I'm not sure if she still does. So he came along and, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was really, you know, just a, a, an interesting, unique opportunity, I think, to, to go and um, to go to that, that night. So that was fun. Um, I also spent most of um, most Thursday nights that year during the footy season um, side stage at the AFL Footy Show. That was really right. fun. I got to go in and, um, you know, just watch how that all got put together and that was really exciting, you know, sitting in on their pre-dinner meetings and things like that. They, You know, all the panel would be there and, you know, just being a part of that was pretty exciting. So that was, that was sort of good fun. Um, I did a couple of promotional things for the Carlton Footy Club. Um, oh, got to, wow. Yeah, which was which was good fun. Like what? Got what did you get to do? Who did you get to hang out with? Uh. Um, well, yeah, I, oh, goodness, just just everyone who was around at that point. And, you know, it was just a, you know, a, a little, I guess, a, just a, a thing for them as well to go, here's someone on Survivor, she barracks for Carlton, she plays footy, you know, appeared in a couple of little publications of theirs i think and and yeah went to the john nichols medal which is their um nice. best and fairest night yeah so that was that was fun but yeah lots wow. of lots of great things that you know would never have probably come about if it wasn't for survivor so all good things end up coming to an end how long after was it that you were able to to get on with the rest of your life where you know did you have any and did you have any funny sort of interactions with fans where like a couple of years later they recognized you or they're, or they're like oh i know you from somewhere um do you have any funny stories like that you can share with us um i had oh look i had a lady i remember come up to me and she said um i was like at chadston shopping center or somewhere somewhere like that and she's like going oh, hi naomi and i was like oh hi and she said, oh, I've got you in the sweep at work. I really hope you win. And I'm like, I hope I do too. You know, yay. We're kind of jumping around. And so that was sort of quite funny. But I think for me, because I'm um, I'm, a, I'm a high school teacher, that the, you know, it, it's kind of continued on just that even though the, clearly the kids that I'm teaching these days weren't alive then, but, you know, just that the memory or the story of, you know, Mrs. Russell, she was on Survivor. Like, you know, every year there's, you know, kids ask and they, you know, they're they're kind of excited about it and occasionally they look me up and things like that. So it's, it's fun. Here I was thinking that you just used the, 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 the name Elaine Wood as a teacher's <laughs> name, just your, your, <laughs> your alias from Whaler's Way. It's probably more believable now that I'm 40. I, I just, I don't know why, but I felt when I was 22 that that just, didn't fit that didn't quite fit talking about fitting how do you think lincoln fit with being the host do you think he did a good job and do you think that he was the right choice in the end to host your season i think he did a great job yeah he's he he handled it really really well like it was i, I think even listening uh, i listened to your your chat with lincoln and you know he made a good point that you know even the role of the of the host has evolved as, as, as well as the game evolving and, you know, the competitors evolving and, you know, it's almost a like a bit of a drama now. And at, at the time when we were there, it was very much just about the game itself and, you know, no bells and whistles. And and I think Lincoln did, um, you know, he did a really great job. Like people would have loved, of course, to have seen Jeff Proke standing up there and 
you know, as we talked about, the original music and things like that. But he was fantastic. He was professional. He was funny. He, um, you know, they, they didn't let us kind of get too much access to him, though. That was that was what was interesting. We would have loved to have, you know, we talked about him a lot. Like, we would have loved to have kind of, you know, been able to sit down with him and, and have a bit of a yak. But that, of course, you know, that can't happen in the game. But, yeah, I was impressed. I think for someone who's not actually um, a presenter, that that he did a magnificent job. I thought it was well cast. Yeah, I really do. What what sort of things would you talk about him? Was it like, oh, Lincoln's so sexy, he's such a beautiful man, <laughs> like look at those dimples. I mean, I know that's what they say about Jeff, but, hey, you, you know, he's, he's Australia's Jeff in 2002. Look, there might have been a little bit of that. I, I do recall Deb actually at one point saying he was the <laughs> thinking woman's crumpet. I can remember her saying Oh, that. okay. <laughs> Wow, yeah, I, I couldn't disagree. He's a handsome guy, you know. And well, some, um, some of those photos he had in those magazines where he had the shirt with the sleeves cut off and the rope around his yeah. neck, and yeah, that's he, right. He and, you know, it. That's it. Yep, some good biceps, and there you go. That's that make it uh, a good survivor host. Yeah, there you go, Lincoln. Thinking woman's crumpet. That that should go on <laughs> your 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 profile now. I think. Come on now. <laughs> That's um that's a that's a good way to look at uh, a new profile there. Uh, you mentioned before, still a PE teacher. You've got two great kids. Uh, everything else going well. What what else has been happening in the in the life of Naomi Russell? I mean, you got a different last name. I'm assuming you're either in witness yeah. protection or got married. So <laughs> yeah, no, got married. Um, yes, yeah, got lovely Lee, my husband. He's um he's fantastic, and yeah, we're very very fortunate. We've got two two great kids and. Um, like a job that I absolutely love. Um, I've been at the school I'm at at the moment. I teach at a girls' school, and it, I've been there for ten years. It's it's the best. Um, look, you know, for for one of probably a, a a better and less overused term, I'm I'm pretty blessed. I'm I'm very lucky. I've yeah, I've had a few other adventures and since Survivor, and you know, a few challenges like everybody, I suppose. But but life's life's really good. Yeah. Well, as a Colton supporter to another Colton supporter. The the last eighteen years also have been filled with challenges, mainly bad yes. ones. Um, what 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 led you to supporting the greatest football team on the on the planet, Naomi? Well, yeah, even that's quite a, an interesting story too, because I come from a, a family just of four myself, my parents and and a brother. And what's unique, perhaps, about us is that we don't all barrack for the same team. And I think that's quite common for most families. Yet my dad barracks for North Melbourne, my mum barracks for Geelong, my brother barracks for Collingwood, and I barrack for Carlton. Oh, so, how? How does he... What happened there? Like one side of the family did good raising one child, the other one... What, what happened there? <laughs> no, it's random, isn't it? But I actually love it. There was never any pressure, never any obligation to kind of follow family lines with um with our afl allegiance so i i kind of tried to do that with my my own family now and it's it's interesting because when my son was born he's um he's 11 he got branded essendon because my husband barracks for them but yet now guess what he's changed he's gone for the kangaroos and i'm like that's the way everyone just goes their own way but um in saying that i have um conned my daughter she barracks for the navy blues as well so that that's pretty cool that's good yeah. parenting. Yeah. I, I see. I was I was brainwashed as a child. I for one have been permanently scarred, but I love it. And was oh, told wow. as a 
five-year-old that if I didn't go for Carlton, I'd have to move out of home. But hey, that's, you know, different story. <laughs> but I mean, our, we've given our... that homework uh, to try and name some players. And I don't think you've done your homework, Matthew Dyson. Come on, you're the teacher on the line here. Naomi, scold him. He hasn't done his homework. It's been a long. It's been it's been a long time since I've been at school, but th- this you giving me homework has made me uh, realise something that I haven't changed in all my years. I still don't <laughs> do my homework, Ben. I still don't do it, and that's why I was sitting there with an absolute blank look on my face while you were talking about AFL because I know nothing about it. Well, the good news, Naomi, about this season is that Carlton are only one game out of the eight currently, so you know there's still hope. No, right. <laughs> How lucky are we? That's right. Yeah, I know. it's a, it's an interesting time, isn't it? And we've we've certainly, um, as a footy club, it's been a a bit of a, a dry decade, but but we will have our day in the sun again, I'm sure. Naomi, one thing about doing this podcast with Ben is we, we we definitely want to not only bring your season back in the spotlight somewhat and, and give it the recognition that maybe it didn't, it doesn't get or hasn't gotten in the past. But another thing is too, we're, we're coming up to the, you know, 20 years since it was uh, happened. And we're hoping that down the track, we'll be able to organize a bit of a 20 year reunion. But I hope one thing that comes out of all this, even if that doesn't end up going ahead, that maybe, you know, you guys all get in t- back in touch with each other, you know, even if it's just you know, Chad here and there. But it'd be, it'd be nice to think that after all these years that we can try to bring you guys back together because we are living in a different era now. There's so much social media going on and, and it is easy to get in contact with people. But that's I think that's one thing that we, we definitely hope that we do for you guys to say thanks for all those years for years ago for playing is, you know, just that we can help out bringing you guys back together. Well, yeah, absolutely, I, I, and we appreciate that, or I certainly do anyway. I'd, I would um, love nothing more than to sit down with everyone and have a few beers and, you know, reminisce. It's, it's yeah, it's actually really nice talking about it. It's, you know, as I said, you, I kind of thought that it was, um, you know, not dead and buried, but just that it feels in many ways like it was a lifetime ago, but it's, you know, it's such a, a unique experience and, you know, the, the memories are fresh today, like a, a, even just just chatting with you guys. And, and I recall um, I was watching a little, I don't know, a week or so ago at, um, an Instagram um, sort of video and that David Gannat was on and he was saying, you know, after the game all you want to do is, is kind of talk about it and talk with people that you, you shared the experience with. And I really related to that because I definitely felt like that after I played and you know even now it would be amazing to catch up with um with everybody so yeah I really I would I'm, I'm in I'd love to be part of that I th- I think it's fantastic that all these years like, I can't believe you you know you I mentioned it before you're, you're sitting there in a in a golden god shirt like you're <laughs> you're the I, mean, I feel like you're the one that should have your own t-shirt not you know <laughs> like you're 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 the original you should have you know the original survivor shirt with you know but yeah it, it is fantastic that that the the, the proper OGs of, of Australian Survivor can now still enjoy and support the uh, the newest, uh, of course, players that we have now. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a fan and you know, I'm, I'm really excited for you that you got to play as well. It's just, um, it's, it's, there's nothing like it, is there, really? Survivor's just so unique. It, I've said it before, but it's just, yeah, it's the best. And, and I look back upon it um, just so fondly. I, I obviously wish that the outcome was different for me. I wish that I'd been able to perhaps show a little bit more of my you know ability and capacity as a you know a a physical player and and all the rest of it but 
you know, it was it was amazing. It was an amazing time and amazing to be part of it all. So, yeah, I'm really, really grateful. Well, we, uh, we are very grateful that you've given us your time to, to chat and, and reminisce and, and go over all of this, open up that vault so you can talk about this and uh, flood those memories all the way back. And it's it's been a lot of fun. We've learnt a lot. And I'm also now uh, doubly excited for our chat with Craig in a couple of weeks to get some answers from the <laughs> other end of this because I feel this is like a, a to-be-continued story, which, uh, you know, it's going to get more exciting the couple of weeks we've got to follow now. Oh, look, yeah, and Craig, he's a great guy. You'll uh, you'll have a really interesting chat with him, and and don't forget to ask him about his um, audition. I'm sure you've done a bit of digging already, and I certainly won't spoil that now. But um, that's that's certainly a tale to to tell. And there we go, another fantastic interview in the books. Matthew Dyson, uh, despite the fact that you didn't do your homework, I think we had another pretty successful week, don't you? You knew I wasn't going to do my homework, Ben. But no, seriously, that uh, what a, what an interview, um, Naomi, the first uh, merge and jury member we've had uh, on this show, on this podcast interview, and she certainly hadn't hasn't let us down. She's a great fan to to see her in that Golden God shirt and and loving Survivor with her kids all these years later is is you know it's exactly why we're doing this podcast. It's it's fantastic to hear and. Um, you know, I, I got no doubt she could go out tomorrow and play this game again and, uh, you know, possibly even win it. I reckon, you know, I, I got that much uh, praise for her. And, um, yeah, it's fantastic to see. The thing that really fascinates me, and it's an obvious thing because clearly we know that pretty much the, you know, the way the game played out, it was all Kadena members going out first. But we've only talked to Kadena members at this point. Obviously, we, we haven't had Jeff on yet. And we're going to have Craig on in a couple of weeks. So, therefore, every single interview we've had is with the one tribe, which this will be the only time we ever do this on ASA moving forward. So, it's it's going to be very fascinating when we get to Lance in a few weeks to kind of all of a sudden get on Team Blue and uh, find that out. But it's, it still doesn't take away from these interviews because I still find that we're asking pretty much the same questions to these people each week. But we're getting new perspectives. As Naomi pointed out, you know, she's got her side to tell. Deb had her side. Sylvan had his side. You know, everyone's got their own side to tell. So it's bringing those extra layers to these stories. And that's the beauty of Survivor. I mean, it, it's an, it, at the end of the day, it's an individual game and everyone has different experiences. Everyone has different opinions of why they went out or why they didn't go as far as someone else. Um, so that's the fascinating thing about doing these interviews is you get to hear each person's own individual story about their time on on the show and at Whaler's Way. Exactly right. And we hope that you at home are enjoying these as much as we're enjoying bringing them to you. And next week, of course, we'll be back to bring you our next episode recap, episode nine of season one, which is another fantastic episode, of course. And then our next interview, all things going according to plan, we'll be back in two weeks to get the esteemed Mr. Craig Abbott on the show. We will no doubt, of course, be getting the answer to part one of that question that we got this week from Naomi. And I'm also really looking forward to going through with him methodologies on cooking that chocolate, Matt, because I think as we discovered from our uh, good friend Matt, other Matt, who listened and then did that video for us, that a couple of minutes with the Black Forest is a little bit too long, so I don't know if Craig has, you know, changed his process over the years. Well, well, our good friend Matt Carr, he was the one that did that for us, he's a a big Craig fan, as I mentioned before, Uh, 
He made the good point that uh, microwaves back 19 years ago were a little bit different than they are today. So we'll have to definitely chat to Craig about what his method is now to when he uh, when he microwaves his Black Forest Cadbury chocolate. And speaking of, of Matt Carr, we are hoping that he might actually be joining us next week uh, for our Episode 9 recap. So stay tuned for that. We might have a special guest on recapping the next episode. If you've missed any of our other interviews, any of our recaps, of course, you can find all of them online. Hit us up on our social media pages if you're having any trouble finding them, of course. But best places to find it, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. We're on all of them. You can search for Australian Survivor Archives. And while you're there, please feel free to leave us some feedback some ratings we'd love to hear what you think about the show as we continue to have fun as much fun as we hope you are listening to it because we're learning a lot at the same time as we hope you're learning a lot too and of course one thing i should mention as well uh the aurora buffs that were brought up in this interview we still do have some left if you are interested in getting your hands on one of these exclusive aurora buffs made please uh hit us up and we might be able to hook you up if there's any left there are some left right now matt so that's you know a good thing, I think. Wait, you're going to want your Aurora buff. I mean, who who doesn't want one? They're uh, a limited edition, and it's a, a piece of Australian Survivor history. And we are a piece of Australian Survivor history, I would like to think, because we are helping bring Australian Survivor history to you. So in 300 years' time, when we're all recovered from coronavirus and we're all a new species of human beings and we've got Australian Survivor fans listening to us in the year 2,320, we hope you're enjoying learning about what life was like 300 years previously when <laughs> we were doing this. It's a weird thing to think that could happen, Matt. You never know. You laugh at me now, but you never know. <laughs> We could have our kids end up taking over the uh, podcast and all these years later because it, t- it takes so long to, to get through the seasons. But we are making sure that we cover every little detail. You know, we're a historical podcast. We want to make sure that we're covering off on all the history and uh, find out all, all the little details along the way. Well, it's been a pleasure bringing you the details today. Uh, We have had a lot of fun with Naomi. And once again, thank you very much to Naomi for joining us. Tune in next week for another episode recap. And I might close things out today by playing something different. Let's hear a bit of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da and hear the Mighty Blues song play us out. My name is Ben and gun the blues. My my name's Matt Dyson and it's uh, my time to sign off. We are the Navy Blues. We are the old dark Navy Blues. We're the team that never lets you down. We're the only team old cotton boast. With all the champions, they like to send up. We'll keep our end up, and they will know that they've been playing against the famous old dark blues.